MRN's Classic Races are brought to you by Hercules Tires. And a good, good day to you, ladies and gentlemen, listening around the United States from Brazos Valley Country in Texas. We have a beautiful, warm day in a field of 38 Grand National cars ready to participate in 500 miles of the most competitive automobile racing there is. NASCAR Grand National Competition on the track now deemed the fastest super speedway in the world, the two-mile High Bank Texas World Speedway. Just down to our left on the pole is Buddy Baker, flanked by Richard Petty, and tucked right in behind that front row, Cale Yarborough, and a real surprise for this race, Marvin Tanch, the exciting young driver from Nashville, Tennessee, and Owensboro, Kentucky, Darrell Waltrip. Rookie driver in his first year of Grand National Competition is up in the very front of the field for the start here today in Texas. A good crowd has assembled to enjoy the race and covering the action with us, the former winner of the Daytona 500-miler, Marvin Panch. It's a beautiful day, Ken. Uh, finally, there we go. It's a beautiful day uh, after some of the rains we had last night and some yesterday. And the field uh, looks super good. I was just talking to... Uh, Harry Hyde on a K&K car this morning, and uh, he's worried about something. I said, what is it, Harry? He says, well, ever since we got here and I loaded off the trailer, nothing has gone wrong. He says, the car and the driver, everybody's real happy. The car fits the track perfect. And he says, this worries me. We almost run out of things to do. So we'll just have to wait and see. Let's hope it keeps going for him all day. Buddy Baker has always been in the front row, and he's been here to qualify, except once when he was with the Petty Engineering team, he qualified third that time. But almost always, he's been in front, and the last time he was here, he won this race by just a foot and a half over A.J. Foyt. How he will fare today? Well, that's to be decided in 500 blistering miles of competition on this thrilling super speedway. We'll be back with more of the Alamo 500 from Texas after this. Ken Squire with you here at the Texas World Speedway. Throughout today's broadcast, we'll be bringing you results from around the nation of NASCAR stock cars as well as the United States Automobile Club midget races and other events. The Le Mans 24 Hours race as it comes to the conclusion will all be brought to you this afternoon. So if you're interested in racing or in motorcycle racing, we'll try to keep you up to date throughout our broadcast of the Alamo 500 on this beautiful track at College Station, Texas. Covering the first and second turn for today's action, let's go down to Roger Bear. In the first turn, we have a 22-degree bank turn, some four lanes wide, three full lanes with a safety lane on the inside. It's here the cars can possibly get up to three abreast. We've seen them many times at Texas, three abreast. With that charge into the first turn, just about 10 minutes away now with Buddy Baker and Richard Petty, Cale Yarborough, Darrell Waltrip, Bobby Isaac, and Joe Frazone heading into that first turn, some 38 NASCAR Grand National stock cars getting ready for 500 miles. This crowd is on pins and needles. And so are we. Back to control. Covering the third and fourth turn of this fantastic racing facility at College Station, Texas, where the Alamo 500 is moments away from getting a green Barney Hall of Alkin, North Carolina. Texas World Speedway just has to be one of the most beautiful facilities in the world with long, sweeping straightaways. There's plenty of racing room in the straightaways and the turns. And as Roger Bear said a moment ago, they do frequently run two, three abreast in the turns. And as they come out of that fourth turn, using that slingshot technique to maneuver around here in the straightaways. The fans here in Texas today have turned out en masse. And there's probably the biggest crowd we've ever seen here at this facility to see a grand national race. And they're about to be treated to the most exciting racing in the world. Let's go back to you, Ken Squire. To cover the pits today, a Texan, let's have Jerry Smith in for a report. 
Well, the question in the pits here seems to be among the drivers, Ken, that uh, weather might be a small problem. We still have a, a remote possibility of some rain uh, showers this afternoon, but the temperature is up near 84, 85 degrees. The weatherman tells us it can get up as high as 90 to 92. Now, that means temperatures inside the cars should be reaching 120 to 125 degrees. And drivers tell me this should be the hottest race they've had this year. So there is a question mark on tire wear. They're not too sure on how the tires are going to run. They're going to have to wait and see. Back to you, Ken. Ladies and gentlemen, here's your starting lineup for the Alamo 500 at College Station, Texas, this afternoon. Looking at the 19th row as we start on the back of the field, the 38th starting position on the grid is car number 8, Ed Negri of Concord, North Carolina, 1973 Dodge. In post position number 37, car number 48 from Roanoke, Virginia, 1971 Ford for James Hilton. Starting 36 on the field will be car number 38 from Houston, Texas, Tony Bettenhausen in the Gordon Van Lue Chevrolet. In the 35th position, a former pro football player from Detroit, Michigan, a 1971 Ford, car number 08 for Bob Whitlow. Starting 34th on the field is D.K. Ulrich of Charlotte, North Carolina, 1971 Ford, car number 40. In the 33rd position, the inside of that 17th row from Daytona Beach, Florida, one of the outstanding rookies in sportsman racing of 1972, Richie Panch of Daytona Beach, Florida, riding in the 33rd position this afternoon. Starting in the 16th row, 32nd position from Anniston, Alabama, the Sonny King Ford. It's a T-Bird today for Charlie Roberts, car number 77. Then the 31st position is car number 20 from Fort Mill, South Carolina, 71 Ford for Rick Newsom. In the 30th position from Asheville, North Carolina, comes Dean Dalton in a 1971 Mercury, car number 7. In the 29th position, inside of the 25th row, a 71 Mercury for Rome George's Henley Gray. In the 14th row, 28th position, car number 4 from Las Vegas, Nevada, Mel Larson in a Ford automobile. In the 27th position, car number 25 from Christiansburg, Virginia, Jade Thomas in a 73 Dodge. Starting 26 today, car number 96 from Winston-Salem, North Carolina, the 73 Chevrolet of Richard Childress. Then in 25th position from Nashville, Tennessee, David Sisko in a Chevrolet number 05. The 24th position outside of the 12th row is Ed Search of San Antonio, Texas, a 1973 Chevelle. And this was the car formerly driven by Clarence Lovell, who lost his life in a highway accident a few weeks ago. And just a few moments ago, there was a memorial service to him here at this speedway. The command to fire the engines has just been given. And 38 Grand National cars come alive for event number 14 of the 1973 NASCAR Grand National season. In the 23rd position from Harrisburg, North Carolina today is Frank Warren's number, 70, uh, number 79, the 1973 Dodge. Then in 22nd position, car number 70, a 72 Monte Carlo from Sanford, North Carolina, J.D. McDuffie. The 21st position, he was the fastest qualifier the second day. He was not here for the first day of qualifying. Car number 12, the Coke machine, the leader of the Alabama gang, Bobby Allison, will come bombarding, blasting, barreling at a 21st position. He qualified third fastest overall, but because he was not here for the first day of qualifying, is relegated to the 21st position. On the outside of the 10th row, Captain America from Chapel Hill, North Carolina, in a Ford, Ray Williams. In the 19th position from Norfolk, Virginia, the elder statesman of Grand National Racing, Bill Champions Mercury. In the 18th position from Houston, Texas, that's a hometown race for him, Walter Ballard in a 71 Mercury, car number 30. 
the 17th position, car number 67 from Martinsville, Virginia, home of the great Martinsville Speedway, Buddy Arrington's Plymouth Automobile. 16th position from Houston, car number 36, the only Pontiac in the race, H.B. Bailey. The 15th position, the Eastern Airlines pilot from East Point, Georgia, in a 72 Plymouth, Jimmy Crawford. In the 14th position, car number 64 from Charlotte, North Carolina, Landover, Maryland, Almo Langley. Then in the third position, the American Motors Matador from Skyland, North Carolina, and Wasso, Wisconsin, as the field rolls down pit road, Dave Marcus. Starting in the 12th position will be Ramo Stott of Keokuk, Iowa, in the 72 Plymouth Formula, driven by Pete Hamilton. In the 11th position, car number 54 from Ettrick, Virginia, Lenny Pond, and a Chevrolet. In the 10th position, from Franklin, Tennessee, 73 Dodge, the great country singer Marty Robbins. And note that Robbins qualified 10th for today's race. In 9th position, the number one stock car driver in America today. From Ellerby, North Carolina, and Detroit, Michigan, 73 Chevrolet, owned by Mr. L.G. DeWitt, and driven by the great Benny Parsons. In the 8th position, car number 14, from Columbia, Tennessee, the Cunningham Kelly Chevrolet for Cuckoo Marlin. Seventh position from Horseshoe, North Carolina, Cecil Gordon, Chevrolet. In the sixth position, outside of the third row, from Golden Valley, Minnesota, the 73 Dodge of Joe Frisson. In the fifth position, 1970 Grand National Champion of NASCAR, a 73 Bud Moore Ford from Catawba, North Carolina, Bobby Isaac. In the fourth position, from Franklin, Tennessee, the sensational rookie in a 71 Mercury, the terminal transport car of Darrell Waltrip. In the third position, 1968 Daytona 500-mile champion, Cale Yarborough, Timmonsville, South Carolina, the Junior Johnson Car Care Chevrolet. Outside of the front row, four-time Grand National Champion from Randleman, North Carolina, Richard Petty, ready to ramble. He won here last December, and on the pole, the only three-time winner of the World 600 at the famous Charlotte Motor Speedway from Charlotte, North Carolina, and the glistening red and white K&K Dodge, Buddy Baker is ready to take on this field of 37 other great competitors. From Texas World Speedway, this is the Motor Racing Network. At Texas World Speedway, they're just about set for a start. Midway down the backstretch on this two-mile facility, Buddy Arrington's car of Martinsville, Virginia, going by very slowly and has come to rest just on the end of Pitt Road as they go into the first turn. Edna Gree's car was coming by very slowly. The officials for this race, the race director will be from Los Angeles, California, Ken Piper, the chief starter for today's race from Columbia, South Carolina, the gentleman who does so much with uh, late model sportsman racing around the country and modified racing in NASCAR, Pete Keller. Ranch's car is also stalled, almost stalled, down on the inside of the first and second turn. We may not see a start this lap. Back to radio control. We see Patch's car down on the inside of number one. Well, Marvin. What did you do to that one? Well, actually, it's a brand-new <laughs> car, and they don't have all the bugs out of it yet, and uh, so they're not expecting too much of it here today, but I don't know. They weren't planning for it to quit before they even got the start. I think most people are aware that the former Daytona 500-mile champion who is on the broadcast with us is also the dad of this young man out here in car number 98, the honor student down there at I say Seabreeze, and that's wrong, isn't it? It's Mainland High School in Daytona Beach. And he is just about, was hoping to give you out here for a start, but the car has come to rest down on the apron on the inside of turn number one, and there is a caution on the field. The Pontiac safety car has been told to take another lap, and he brings the field by in beautiful formation. Here comes the Matador, side by side, flanked by that Pontiac. The way the field breaks down for today's race, we have 11 Chevrolets, 9 Fords, 7 Dodges, 
There are five Mercuries out here, three Plymouths, one Matador, one Thunderbird, and one Pontiac. The drivers come from North Carolina mainly, 14 from there, five from Virginia, four from Texas, four from Tennessee, two from South Carolina, two from Alabama and Georgia, and one each from Minnesota, Nevada, Florida, Michigan, and Iowa to race in the most competitive automobile racing circuit perhaps in the world, the Grand National Circuit of NASCAR. Marvin Panch. The drivers all like this track, Ken. Uh, like uh, you said earlier, they can run two, three abreast. It's uh, just not a one-groove racetrack. They can run all over the racetrack, and they really enjoy running here. This is uh, makes for some of the best finishes, like you said earlier, that you ever see in Grand National Racing. Well, last year, we saw a thriller here, Buddy Baker defeating A.J. Foyt, the great Houston driver, perhaps one of the greatest driver of our generation, right here on the finish line by less than a foot and a half, and apparently the word got out because as Barney Hall mentioned a few moments ago, looks like a record crowd is here on a very warm Texas day to enjoy this spectacular race, which will see the temperatures in the cockpit of these Grand National stock cars escalating to over 120 degrees. Here's Buddy Baker pulling away from the field, breathing that big K&K &K Dodge once again. Baker extremely happy and thrilled still over his sensational victory in the World 600. Here comes the field, moving down out of turn number four, and they're going to take one more lap before they commit this field to green at Texas World Speedway today. Back to Roger Bear and see how they're coming down in turns number one and two. Looks like they've cleared it, Roger. In turn number one, the crowd just gave a great cheer to Buddy Arrington, who just got his car fired. Buddy has brought it out from behind the wall. The Martinsville, Virginia star is back on the track. Richie Panch has gotten his fired. He's pulled away from the wrecker over in the third and fourth turn. The flagman holds out the sign for one more lap, and we should have racing action shortly. Back to the tower. Ken Piper, the race director, down on the inside of the track and elevated some 14 feet above the start-finish line is... Old Pete Keller, a very colorful guy who has a lot of colorful statements to make about racing and competition. It'd be interesting to have him on a broadcast sometime, Marvin. One of his better lines was about taking a, a semi-prepared car to Daytona. He said it'd be like taking a mule to the Kentucky Derby. Anyway, we're just about set here, and here comes Richie Patch's car on the pit row. They're going to come in to do some work on it before they start, and they will start the race without him. He's going right past the pit area and going back toward the garage with car number 98. So up in front, we have a Dodge confrontation in the front row. Door handle to door handle as Buddy Arrington chases around the field and goes down to the turn number one, motoring to catch the flock. Up in front, it is Buddy Baker on the inside and old teammate Richard Petty on the outside some dandy kind of a race when they fire into the first turn at over 160 miles per hour then in that second row Cale Yarborough with a great Junior Johnson Chevrolet is locked in there with young Darrell Waltrip and this is the kid who has been just astounding the critics this year with his tremendous driving performances and he's coming on a little like Allison he's running every night of the week when he's not in Grand National he's back up there at the Nashville Fairgrounds running for Bill Donahoe and winning Arrington is finding his position in the field as they move into turn three and we go to Barney Hall that field bunching up very, very tightly over there. The pace cars now pull perhaps maybe 300 yards out front as they move into turn number three. The field beginning to tighten up. Buddy Arrington is back in his proper position with only one car dropping out, and that is Richie Panch. The field moving now into turn number four. They'll be coming down for the green in just one minute, Ken. Pace car is being told by control, apparently, to come in. And we're getting set for a start, ladies and gentlemen, here at College Station, Texas, for 500 rip-roaring miles of stock car competition among the greatest stock car drivers in the world. As they come down, they started to break. They're told to hold position. They hold, and as they come to the line, they get the green. 
as they come across the line and go to turn number one. Buddy Baker shoots out in front. Teddy right back on the outside, rip riding and taking the lead as they go into turn one. Baker given all kinds of room on the inside. Teddy now comes down side by side with Buddy Baker. They're keeping perfect position. Darrell Waltrip has been sight saddled there by Cale Yarbrough who swung out to the outside. Joe Frazone came to the inside, has moved into fourth place. It's Buddy Baker, Richard Petty, Cale Yarbrough, and Joe Frazone heading for turn three. A couple of Dodges dueling down in the number three corner now as Baker puts that big red Dodge in the lead firmly by about one car length. Richard Petty riding in second position. Back in third spot right now is Joe Frazone. On the fore end of that four-car draft is Cale Yarbrough. Down out of turn number four. Baker shows the way, and he's going to lead the first lap. Down they come with Baker in the lead. Petty riding second. Hold the phone. Here comes Isaac. Bobby Isaac pulls up into six, and he's ready to challenge for the lead. Petty goes way high, going to turn number one. Baker led the first lap. It's still Buddy Baker out front. Richard Petty just a half a car length behind. Then three car lengths before you come to Joe Frazone with Gail Yarbrough tucked in behind. Darrell Waltrip running in fifth place. And Bobby Isaac closing up with Cecil Gordon now trying to make a move up in seventh place. Baker shows the way of the number three corner. Petty still riding in second position and charging up through the field is Bobby Allison. He has knocked off eight cars and is working his way to the front of the pack. The field in turn number four. Baker still showing the way. There's a tremendous battle back for that number three position between Joe Frisson, Bobby Isaac, and Cale Yarbrough as they come out of the corner, Ken Squire. Across the line, car number 71, Baker in the lead, but here comes Allison. He has moved into 12th by passing the Matador, and he moves by Lenny Pond of Ettrick, Virginia. Pulls up another position as he moves after Marty Robbins, currently the 10th place competitor in the Alamo 500 at College Station, Texas. On the back stretch, it is Buddy Baker out in front. Richard Petty is on the inside, challenging in second. Riding in third is Kaylee Arborough, and he's being challenged on the outside by Joe Frisson in a bumper-to-bumper -bumper duel at turn three. Kale swings down to the inside, goes all the way to the bottom of the racetrack, and has moved into the number three position. Frisson is riding fourth. Waltrip is fifth, and in sixth position is Bobby Isaac. Down out of turn number four. Baker shows the way as Petty keeps the pressure on as they move to the start-finish line. Mel Larson retires his automobile. The Las Vegas, Nevada runner is out at the end of three laps here at the Texas World Speedway. At College Station, Texas, we've got a three cars side-by-side -side duel for third place and almost up into the wall with Darrell Waltrip, Cale Yarbrough in the middle, Joe Frisson on the bottom end as they fight for third position going to the first turn in lap number four. Cale Yarbrough almost put the fourth place driver into the wall down the front straightaway as he sashayed on the inside of a three-car pack. Cale sashayed toward Waltrip. Waltrip got his foot out of it. Cale now has uh, moved around Waltrip into third place. But Waltrip starting to close up once again from fourth spot. The leader continues to be Bob Buddy Baker. As they come by, they will have completed five laps this time, 10 miles on these 22-degree high banks of the Texas World Speedway with Buddy Baker still out in front, Richard Petty riding in second. Going third is, at this time, Cale Yarborough. In fourth, Darrell Waltrip, fifth, Joe Frisson, sixth, Bobby Isaac, seventh, Cecil Gordon. Running eighth is car number 42, Marty Robbins, as they squeal down into the first turn. As they're into that first turn, the two-car race for first place, uh, Petty appears to be content. But the battle now for third place is between Waltrip and Cale Yarbrough. Waltrip got his nose alongside. Yarbrough has the outside up against the wall, almost rubbing the wall on the back straight. And coming down to the inside is Frisson. They're three abreast going into turn three. Three deep in turn number three, and Frisson has moved into the number three position. Joe Frisson, Golden Valley, Minnesota, has put that dodge out of the number three spot. Here's Cale on the outside trying to get it back. Down out of the corner, there's a battle for the number one spot. Real tight between Baker and Petty. 
They line them up in columns of twos here as they come across the line. Running in ninth position right now is car number 72. That is Benny Parsons, the current number one driver in the country. And right on his tailpipe is Bobby Allison from Texas World Speedway. This is the Motor Racing Network. Citywide to countryside. Whatever you drive, wherever you go, Hercules Tires has the value, selection, and industry-leading warranty to get you there, no matter where the road takes you. Go to HerculesTire.com. There you can find the nearest authorized Hercules retail location to you. Plus, you can use the tire tracker to find out which Hercules tire fits your vehicle the best. That's HerculesTire.com. Hercules Tires. Ride on our strength. The Alamo 500 at Texas World Speedway. There's a new leader. Richard Petty has put the STP Dodge out in first place, riding in second position. Right now, Buddy Baker going third is Kaylee Arborough. Fourth is Darrell Waltrip. And all the way up to fifth is Marty Robbins. The Franklin, Tennessee country singer is challenging for fourth. And sixth is Bobby Isaac. And the front ten are all bunched within about three seconds of each other as they slug it out here in the early going of this 500-mile contest in Texas this afternoon. Eight laps are complete, 16 miles, Marvin Panch. Right behind the group of leaders, uh, nine seconds back is Bobby Allison. He's moved up within nine seconds of the leaders. A late pit report from Jerry Smith. Young Mar Ricky Panch, uh, the number 98 car, the first car to leave the race, had to go out with oil pressure problems. They've been having problems all week long. We just now have a report on Mel Larson's car. Mel driving the number four car is out with a bad clutch. Back to the tower. The leaders come by, putting nine laps down, with third place still Kaylee Arborough, fourth Darrell Waltrip, fifth Marty Robbins, sixth. As they squeal into turn one goes Bobby Isaac, Roger Bear. Isaac just squeezing around some lap traffic, moves up on Marty Robbins, who's made a real move on the field here at Texas World Speedway. Marty Robbins came to race just moments ago, about two laps ago, in turn three and four. Robbins had a cock sideways as he tried to get around Darrell Waltrip. Waltrip is around Robbins now, but Robbins closes on him in turn three in what's turning out to be a great race. As they come out of the third turn, the lead automobile is Richard Petty, but right behind him, tucked right to him, is car number 71, the K&K Dodge in second position. Richard Childress is pitting his car at the end of 10 laps. Third is Kale, fourth, Darrell Waltrip, fifth, Marty Robin, sixth and tight running, Bobby Isaac, but now on the inside, moving down through goes Joe Frisson to take over in that position. Bobby Allison rides along on the back of the front 10, just holding on out here, and let's see what he'll be unwinding very, very shortly in competition at Texas World Speedway. The battle up front, here's Buddy Baker challenging at turn three in lap 11, the leader, Richard Petty. Baker has been putting the pressure on Richard Petty in the corners more so than the straightaways. He pulls right up on his bumper in the turns, and again, he's right on him as they come off that number four corner. They go out almost into the wall. Down they come. Here's Baker to the inside, making a challenge for the lead. All the way down low. Petty up high as they hit the first turn. Baker has it by a car length on the inside. Buddy Baker is out in front by a car length as he made a tremendous move down the front straightaway with no traffic around. He waited his time. They're coming up on a pack of four cars. And traffic up ahead as they exit the second turn. Petty sucks up behind Buddy Baker, and they're down the back straightaway. Baker working some of the lap traffic now. Down to the inside they go, weaving, bobbing, looking for a hole. And Richard Petty clings tenaciously right to his bumper as they move into turn three. Baker showing the way. A couple of dodges dueling for the lead. And back in the pack, Bobby Allison continues to move up. We are talking to Benny Parsons yesterday, Ken Squires, about the dodge of Marty Robbins. 
and Parsons said he could just blow the doors off his automobile. He said that Marty, Marty's car was so strong in the straightaways it was frightening, and he's making a great showing here this afternoon. Let's go back to the tower. Kelly Yarborough third this time. Robbins is still fourth. Fifth is Darrell Waltrip. Up to sixth is Joe Fasano. We have a car smoking going down into turn one. Appears to be Rick Newsom smoking into turn one. The car number 20, Rick Newsom. The car smoking on the inside of the track, well out of the groove. Maintaining his speed, however, but showing some smoke through turn two. Back Pe to the tower. Richard Petty is on the counterattack in turn number three in the 13th lap. Here's Petty down on the inside. He's trying to get around Baker, and he cannot do it. He swings back to the outside. They come into turn number four and down into the straightaway. Baker really turning it on. He said yesterday the only way to go here is flat out. You do not lay back and win this race. And that's what he's doing as they move into turn number one. They complete 26 miles with the Baker-Petty battle up in front. Kale still third. Marty Robbins fourth. Darrell Waltrip fifth. Up to sixth is Joe Frisson. And into seventh position moves Bobby Allison. Allison is up to seventh, and he goes after Frisson in turn two. Allison has Frisson as he's got him trapped in traffic. He's got him in a box, and Allison by Joe Frazone, now by Ray Williams as he's moving up on lap traffic. Allison picks up another spot. He's in the draft now and is closing on the leader. Back to the top. Go down to the turn number one. The lead automobile will be uh, two cars side by side. Almost dead heat affair. Nope. Petty's going to hold back this time. Leading Buddy Baker up in front. Baker in front. Petty in second with not one car separation between them. Third is Cale Yarborough and Right now, Marty Robbins is closing upon him. Marty Robbins in the purple and day-glow green Dodge tries to close on Kale, but Kale maintains his distance now. Now it's Waltrip trying to close on Marty Robbins as this two-mile speedway is super for drafting, and the Yellows are using it in an excellent manner out here this afternoon. Back to the tower. The first 10-lap rundown. Average speed, 165.517 miles per hour. Car number 98, Richie Patch's car out with a blown engine. They say the timing chain went on it. Car number 4, Mel Larson clutch out, and car number 8 reported out of the competition today with a main bearing problem. That was the Edna Gree car. And as they stood at the end of 10 laps, 20 miles, it was Petty then leading with Isaac in second. Running in third was Kale. Fourth was Darrell Waltrip. Running fifth was Marty Robbins. Going sixth was Bobby Isaac, seventh was Joe Frisson, eighth was Cecil Gordon, ninth was Benny Parsons, the eleventh position was Cuckoo Marlin, and running twelfth at ten laps was Bobby Allison, who has bettered his stand in this race by six positions. Here's that car number 20, now pulling out of pit road that we mentioned smoking into the first turn, Rick Newsom, of Fort Hill, South Carolina's car on pit road. From Texas World Speedway, this is the Motor Racing Network. The first caution period of the race coming out of the 16th lap. Apparently a blown engine on Bobby Isaac's car and trouble in turn two. Here's the report from Roger Bear. There was a cloud of smoke from Bobby Isaac's car, a slap into the wall, and the cars that were damaged in the accident appear to be Isaac, Dave Marcus has come to a stop in the American Motors Matador that they had such high hopes for. Richard Childress' car is badly damaged on the right side. He's brought it into the pits and Jimmy Crawford from Atlanta, Georgia, has attempted to bring that car around after also being involved in the melee that wasn't so bad but left some cars torn up. Dave Marcus' car appears to be, be the only one stalled on the back straightaway at this time. Back to radio, also coming in, Ramos Sott smoking badly on the right side, rubbing a tire. He was drafting Marcus and was also involved in that. Back to radio control. Ramos Dot coming in of that car number nine, the Jack Housby car, and the right front fender is badly crippled on that one, bent back several inches. 
the skin on car number 96, Richard Childress car to Winston-Salem, North Carolina, badly rumpled, and we can see daylight through the side of the automobile, but they'll be checking to make sure the roll cage is okay. The sheet metal can take a tremendous thrashing on these cars, but as long as the car is safe and sound in the roll bar construction, there's a fair chance he can get it back on the track. Caution is out. Coming out at the end of the 16th lap, we're into the 18th lap, and a host of pit stops. Petty is pitted. Baker, Bobby Allison is all on pit row. Joe Frisson, Benny Parsons is changing right side rubber down there now, and so is Marty Robbins. Are you surprised, Marvin Fanch, by the tremendous program being put out by Marty Robbins today? I tell you, uh, Ken, I've always uh, said that Marty Robbins uh, was a first-class race driver. Now he's got a car that's really performing, and he's, uh, Donnie's doing a good job of uh, working on the car, and that just looks like it's going to be a team that's going to be hard to beat here. Car number 22 is on pit road, and it's crusted with mud. It rained heavily yesterday here in College Station, Texas, the Texas World Speedway, and apparently he really got into it out there as two or three cars looped coming off turn two after Isaac had exploded an engine. I've seen the 22 car uh, go through the grass over there and through the mud to miss some of the uh, action over there, and I've seen water spray clear up over the top of it, so that's why it's so muddy. Diesel Gordon's automobile, which has been running right up here in the top 10, is pulling back out onto the track. And we see Buddy Arrington's car on pit road with the hood up at the present time. To the pits and a report from Jerry Smith. I have Richie Pange with me in the pits. Richie, the youngest man in the race, uh, the newest car in the race, and the first one out. What happened? Well, we broke a camshaft. I don't know what happened, but it just the camshaft broke, and I'm sorry that I couldn't have done better, but that's one of those things that happened, and I'm feel real bad that, like I said, we couldn't have done better, but things will get a lot better, and I feel that the car is a real good car, and we get the bugs worked out of it because it is a new car. It's going to be real strong. Marvin, you got a question for your son down here? No, I'm just wondering. Uh, I'm sorry to see him fall out, but if he had to do it, it's better that he does it uh, before the race starts and after being out there in traffic. Okay, we had Cale Yarbrough in here for two pit stops the first time uh, on the caution flag, took gas and tires on the left side, then came back for a little adjustment in the rear end of the car. Back to you, Ken. Car number 61, the former Clarence Lovell car being driven by 29-year-old Ed Streck of San Antonio, Texas, is just pitted and is back out once again on the course. Tragic accidental death of Clarence Lovell, the NASCAR Winston Cup Grand National Division driver, car owners, uh, E.J. Burke and folks, uh, named the 1972 Texas State NASCAR Late Model Sportsman Champion from San Antonio as the driver of their highly successful car. It's a 1973 Chevelle that's being campaigned out here today. The car had been campaigned uh, in this season by Clarence. Uh, Streck attempted uh, to get going here in late model sportsman racing, made a very fine effort over the past two or three years, and is the driver now in what was the Clarence Lovell car. Something I'd like to add, uh, that car was involved in an accident at Charlotte uh, a couple of weeks ago, and they have done a marvelous job getting that car back, and it's back here looking like brand new, and uh, I have to give them credit. They've done a marvelous job on that car. We should give some credit to the, uh, the folks that have put that car out. You know, they, they go strictly with Texas drivers, hoping to create uh, some new competitors from this part of the country, and for certain, uh, the sport owes uh, E.J. Burke and Don Byerschwall of San Antonio a big vote of thanks for the great job they have done, and the passing of Clarence Lovell was certainly a tragic thing. He was killed on the highway's pickup truck uh, in an accident that took his life.
that just goes to show you, Ken, that it's safer on the racetrack a lot of times than it is on the highway by far. Particularly so in Grand National Stock Car Racing. These 3,800-pound cars that are Dodges, Chevrolets, Mercury's, Fords, the kind of cars that you and I know, the Pontiacs out here in competition at tremendous speeds, and uh, they've, they've never had any problems here on this track, although we've seen some rather dramatic moments in the experiences at Texas World Speedway, which has to be one of the most competitive tracks there is. Citywide to countryside. Whatever you drive, wherever you go, Hercules Tires has the value, selection, and industry-leading warranty to get you there, no matter where the road takes you. Go to HerculesTire.com. There you can find the nearest authorized Hercules retail location to you. Plus, you can use the tire tracker to find out which Hercules tire fits your vehicle the best. That's HerculesTire.com. Hercules Tires. Ride on our strength. And while we have a moment, and we are under caution because of Bobby Isaac's blown engine, which sent several cars sailing backwards down the backstretch at over 170 miles per hour. In the spin were such cars as the American Motors Matador of Dave Marcus, Richard Childress's automobile, also spinning and really getting clopped with a 150-mile-an-hour crunch, but he's taken a couple of laps and bringing the car back in for some further work on that machine. Uh, while we have a moment here, let's talk for just a second about the upcoming schedule. Next week we'll be in Riverside, California, and we sure hope you people listening on the West Coast are planning to be at that great track that Roy Horde and Les Richter do such a tremendous job with for the Tuborg 400, which takes place next Sunday. That's next on the schedule, and you'll find the ticket office open. Be a good time to get tickets for that tremendous event. Californians have a rare opportunity that we don't get to enjoy back east, and that is to see these great Grand National cars in competition on a road course. And it is one of the finest road courses in the world at Riverside, California. And that's where we'll be next Sunday, and we hope you'll be there to enjoy the action at Riverside next Sunday. And if you can't be there, be with Motor Racing Network for sure. The following Sunday, we're going up to Detroit, up to College Station, or rather to uh, Jackson, Michigan. Here comes the Matador being brought in up on the hook. That's two weeks away. Two weeks from today, we'll be in, in Michigan for another great race on that two-mile track. And that's another ding-dong battle with a lot of lead changes every time we're there. So look forward to that one up at Cambridge Junction, Michigan, near Jackson, just outside of Detroit, Michigan, two weeks from today. And then, of course, the 4th of July is a real favorite with us because it gets us back to the queen mother of all super speedways, the Daytona International Speedway. And that's where we get a chance to celebrate the largest or be part of the largest Independence Day celebration in America. The 4th of July at Daytona is spectacular. They have a midnight race or fireworks on the beach, and they have the race in the morning on the 4th of July at Daytona. And then from there, you can take a few moments and get down on the beach and enjoy the afternoon and all the festivities that make Daytona the celebration capital for the Independence Weekend. 4th of July, Wednesday, we sure hope you'll be in Daytona, and if for any reason you can't, of course, you'll hear the broadcast right here. And mention, too, that July 1 will be in Pocono, Pennsylvania for the Schaefer 500 of the United States Automobile Club Championship cars. From College Station, Texas, this is Ken Squire with you, where the STT Dodge is leading the Alamo 500 at Texas World Speedway with the K&K Dodge in second, and right now, car number three, or car number 11 in third place, the Car Care Chevrolet of Cale Yarborough. 20-lap rundown upcoming momentarily. We are under caution after a blown engine, scattered several cars out of turn two. From Texas World Speedway, this is the Motor Racing Network. The speed here at the Texas World Speedway has slowed down to an average of 146.490 miles per hour after an incident just prior to the 20-lap mark 
About the 16th lap, actually, as you're coming into the 17th, and Bobby Isaac blew an engine. We're still under caution. The first mark of the day was a 165-517 posted by Richard Petty. And here is the 20-lap rundown that brings us to 40 miles here at Texas World. Richard Petty in first, and now the latest report is Bobby Allison Chevrolet in second, running third, Benny Parsons, current number one driver on the circuit. Fourth is Cecil Gordon of Horseshoe, North Carolina, running in the fifth position would be car number 70, J.D. McDuffie's car, number six position belonging to car number 71, Buddy Baker. The seventh position to car number 42, car which has been running right up in there today, Marty Robbins. The eighth position, Joe Frasson. The ninth position, Darrell Waltrip. The tenth position, car number 11, which is Kaylee Yarborough. And running in the eleventh position, car number 14, Cuckoo Marlin. I would like to explain that, Ken. Uh, uh, all your front runners have made pit stops. And uh, some of the other cars did not make pit stops. Bobby Allison is in second place. He did make a pit stop. He just had a quicker pit stop. The reason he's in line. So on the restart of this, this should be one real restart. Can you realize that? All these front-running cars are going to be right behind each other on the start. Again, the reason for the first caution of the race looked to be Bobby Isaac having an engine problem. But then car number two, the American Motors Matador, spun out of turn two and was hit by Richard Childress's automobile. Both drivers were okay after the altercation. Automobiles have been brought around. Up on the hook was car number two, the Matador, and all the folks from American Motors are here today. They'll be quite sorry about this for sure. They sure will. Uh, the Matador showed uh, damaged front and rear. We're ready for the green flag to be waved by Pete Keller, and the race is back underway at College Station, Texas. On the charge, the leader is Richard Petty, and here we go. We've got the old battle back once again. It's Petty versus Allison in the first turn in the 26th lap. Allison tries it on the inside, but can't get by. Richard Petty maintains first place. The field strings out behind. Cale Yarborough got caught in traffic and now has unworked his way out of the traffic, gotten around Joe Frazone, and Cale Yarborough starts to close up. He's got a mighty tough competitor in Marty Robbins that he's trying to get by. Robbins now is working on Buddy Baker to try and get around Baker. The leader sweep into turn number three. Petty shows the way of that STP Dodge. And right behind his old adversary, Bobby Allison. Allison, two car links back. As he tries to close the door as they move out of turn number four. Petty goes way high in the turn. Sweeps out of turn number four. Down they come. Petty shows the way. Allison rides second. Baker has moved up into the number three position. Completing the 27th lap. It's Petty in front. Allison in second. Running third. Baker. Fourth is Kaylee Arborough. Fifth is Benny Parsons. Sixth is Marty Robbins. Seventh is Joe Frasson as they barrel into the first turn. Petty stretches his lead out over Bobby Allison. Allison trying to move that Chevrolet up into a competitive position to challenge Richard Petty in the STB Dodge with their midway down the back straightaway stretched out running single file. The only car making a challenge is Marty Robbins midway down the back straight. The last couple of races, Richard Petty has really chunked his foot in it. At Charlotte a couple of weeks ago, he moved to the front of the pack and led about the first hundred laps of the race. He's trying to do the same thing here. He has pulled away from Bobby Allison, perhaps four or five car lengths as he tries to stretch his lead as they come down out of the corner and you, Ken Squire. 56 miles of 500 complete with Petty in front, Allison second, Baker third, Kaylee Arboro fourth, Benny Parsons fifth being challenged by Marty Robbins. Joe Frasson in sixth, going seventh into the first turn, moves Cecil Gordon. Here comes Buddy Baker up on Bobby Allison in a challenge for second place off the second turn, and Baker has moved up from seventh to third in the last two laps. Baker is making a bid. It's a three-car race for first place. 
Petty moves into the number three corner, and Baker is really on the move right now. He has closed the gap to less than a car length on Bobby Allison, the number two runner. Into turn number four, they sweep. Petty continues to show the way. Here's Baker closing, closing right on the bumper of Bobby Allison as they move down out of turn number four. Following Baker in third, the front three cars bumper to bumper is Kaylee Arborough fourth. It is Marty Robbins fifth, Benny Parsons sixth, Joe Frisson seventh, Cecil Gordon is eighth, running in ninth is Cuckoo Marlin, and in 10th is Darrell Waltrip. Ramo Stott pulls into 11th, and moving 12th is Almo Langley. Buddy Baker slides it to the inside of Bobby Allison as they go into turn one. They're coming through turn two, and Baker has second place and has his sights set on Petty on the back straight. Three cars tightly bunched as they move into turn number three with Petty trying to hang out of the lead, and Baker trying to wrench it away from him. They move into the number three corner. Here's Baker right on the bumper of Richard Petty. They move up on Ed Streck in the number four corner. Petty high in the turn. Richard runs real close to the wall. Baker is now pressing as they come out of the corner. Here's Baker to the inside as they move to turn one. Knocking on Destiny's door at 180 miles per hour. Petty is on the outside. Baker hits the button on the inside, and Baker takes first place away from Richard Petty. Rubbing sheet metal down the front straight, then diving into the first turn was Buddy Baker as they close up on Bob Whitlow from Detroit. Lapping slower traffic of the three cars racing for first place, then Cale Garborough is some six to eight car lengths behind them. Then Marty Robbins running in fifth place in a three-car race for fifth with Robbins, Joe Zone, and Benny Parsons. Tremendous battle continues up front between those three lead cars between Buddy Baker, Richard Petty, and Bobby Allison. And the pack is stringing out back of the field. In fourth position is Cale Yarborough. The leaders are pulling away, and Marty Robbins driving the best race of his career. That this automobile he's in is quite a bomb today, Ken Squire. This is Jerry Smith along Pit Row. I've got Dave Marcus here. Dave, the front of your car damaged very badly and also a big ding in the rear. What happened out there? Well, I guess Isaac blew an engine, and I seen all the smoke, so I slowed down for it and put my hand up to wave for the guys behind me, and someone run me in right in the hind end of me and knocked me up the wall. Did you hit that wall head on? Well, just about hit on and spun the car around sideways, and then I was going sideways, and someone run into the side of the car. But you're all right physically? Yes, I am. Dave Marcus is out of it. Back to the tower. At the Texas World Speedway, Buddy Baker thunders into the lead. Bobby Allison goes into second. Richard Petty drops to third. The field now in the 32nd, 33rd lap. They're working lap 33 in turn two. It's like a fast shuffle through turn two. You never know who's going to go in or out of the turn in the lead. As now down out of turn number two, they stretch it out. It's Baker. Now Allison closes up, and Petty closes up from third place, midway down the back straight. Those three cars locked together, and that's the way they've been for the last 10 laps. Baker leads them into turn number three. They come down out of that turn. The struggle is on for the lead. It's going to be a fantastic race all afternoon. 22 is slowing down. Pulling out of pit road, car number 22, Jimmy Crawford. Looks to be a retiree early in the going of the Alamo 500. Baker in front and Allison right on his bumper as they press their luck in turn one. Now tight they go with uh, Allison making a move to the inside. He backs off. Petty tries to slide up around the outside of Allison as three 4,000-pound stock cars battle at 150 miles an hour. Petty makes a move on Allison on the back straight. He tries it on the outside, ducks to the inside, and can't get by. They're in the 33rd in the 34th lap now as Buddy Baker continues to lead from Texas World Speedway. This is the Motor Racing Network. A seesaw battle for the front position between a trio of great racing drivers takes place at Texas World Speedway. The 180 mile per hour duel continues with now Baker in front, Allison second, Petty in third, running in the fourth position. It's, it's Kaylee Arboro and fifth is a dead heat. Fifth place is Buddy Baker flanked on the outside by Joe Frisson. 
Then running in seventh position is Benny Parsons. In the eighth position, Darrell Waltrip. Running ninth is Cuckoo Marlin. And finishing out the top ten is Cecil Gordon. It's a very important race for the LG DeWitt car being driven by Benny Parsons. He's number one in the nation. And this former champion of the Automobile Racing Club of America who moved into the big league three years ago is enjoying his best year in 1973 and has won the first leg of the Winston Series, is working hard to win the national title. That same car uh, uh, was done a lot of work on that car by Richie Bars. You know, it used to be with the Petty Crew. They built this car for the DeWitt and for Benny Parsons, and it is doing a tremendous job. Both Richie and Les Bars, the brothers originally from Chicago, Illinois, are here with the car for this race. On the back stretch, Joe Frisson has pulled away from Marty Robbins and is now in fifth spot by four car lengths. And then Mar Robbins is some five car lengths in front of Benny Parsons going down the backstretch. Benny running up in seventh. Going eighth is Waltrip. Ninth is Cuckoo Marlin. And tenth is Cecil Gordon. The front of the field comes by, completing their 37th lap, 74 miles, with Buddy Baker still just barely in front, but Allison is challenging on the inside in turn one. Allison tries it on the inside in turn one. He gets a fender alongside. Baker pulls it away with a little better line through the turn and some lap traffic coming up on the uh, inside of the turn as Henley Gray has... Petty tries it on the inside of Allison now. A race for second place, and again, Petty gets blocked off by the same Henley Gray. As the field comes around, we can report on two more cars out of the race. Car number 40, D.K. Ulrich's automobile has retired, and car number 22, Jimmy Crawford's automobile, has just pulled behind the pit wall and back toward the garage area. We're not sure if that's toot finee or if there's just a conversation going on about some major repairs on the car and get back in the race. Ken Squire, Barney Hall, and Marty Robbins fell way off the pace going down the backstretch, and he's heading down pit road out of turn number four. Some problems with that automobile. The man who sung about uh, problems in El Paso is having trouble with College Station, Texas, and it's two-mile beautiful Texas World Speedway. Here's Marty Robbins, who has driven, as Barney Hall told you, the finest race we've ever seen him drive, and after that 180-mile-an-hour crash, that he had at Daytona this year. Many wondered if the country singer would come back, but come back he did. And here he was running right up in front. There have been some problems. There's some clouds of black smoke coming out of the right side of the automobile as it's parked on pit road. Marvin? It looks like a flooding condition of the carburetor. It looks like black gas uh, exhaust. This is Jerry Smith along Pit Road. Jimmy Crawford, the car you pointed out a moment ago, car number 22, is definitely out of the race. Rear end problems. The rear end had locked up. The reason you saw the car in the pit gate, the rear end had locked up and they couldn't move the car until they put it up on jack. Back to the tower. Cecil Gordon coming by just in front of... An engine blown in turn number one. Engine blown in turn number one just as Richard Petty makes a bid for Cuckoo. the pass. Cuckoo Marlin is out of competition. Coming down to the inside. The yellow flag not out as he was way on the inside. Cuckoo has brought it down on the safety apron on the back straightaway. Let's see if caution is going to come out. All eyes are on Pete Keller now, and he's getting the command from the control here at Texas World Speedway, where Lynn Kukler and Bill Gazaway are in control today, and it looks like a safe condition. Cuckoo realized that something was uncogging in the engine, and he pulled it down on the inside, and the farmer from Columbia, Tennessee, is coasting through turn number three, and there is no caution. Meanwhile, there's a battle up in front. Petty is around Allison. He's back after Baker as they head down the back stretch and for the third turn in the 41st lap. Richard Petty trying to chase him down as they move into turn number three. Baker trying to hold him off. They'll be working some of the lapped automobiles as they come out of turn number four. Cuckoo Marlin down on the apron heading for pit road. Here comes Baker out of the corner. Petty stuck to his bumper as they move out of turn number four. 
Riding on the tail end of that three-car draft, Bobby Allison, and here comes Allison swinging around Petty. And we have a caution. They're taking no chances. There was a possibility just beyond pit road that Cuckoo Marlin might have dropped some pieces, and they are sending the safety car out, and they're holding the field down. Ken Cuc Squire, in turn number one, there's just a faint line of oil on the inside uh, on the inside lane, almost undetectable, and a very thin uh, line of what appears to be oil, and it's well out of the line, but if a car, as was the case there, where Petty was trying it on the inside of Allison, and they were in traffic, and they would have been three abreast going into that turn, there's the possibility they could have run over that oil, and NASCAR wisely brought out that caution flag, and they're going to go down and take a close look at that situation. Back to radio control. The Pontiac safety car waiting for the field, and as they come by in this tremendous race at College Station, Texas, the Texas World Speedway, we'll see those leaders diving on the pit road to do some work on these racing cars. And as things stand, we had Buddy Baker's dodge in front. Here come all three leaders on the pit road. Here comes Buddy Baker, three-time winner of the World 600. Richard Petty, four-time winner at Daytona, and the leader of the Alabama gang, Bobby Allison, all bringing their automobiles on pit road. Here's Kaylee Arborough, the Cartier Chevrolet, Joe Frisson, the number one driver in the nation, Benny Parsons, and Jay Thomas of Christiansburg, Virginia. The greatest stock car drivers in the world today are all on pit road here in the second caution of the Alamo 500. Marvin Panch. They started pushing uh, Marty Robbins' car out, and they give out another cloud of black smoke, which means it looks like the carburetor is flooded out, like the needle and seat stuck, and uh, one of the mechanics jumped through the right side window of Bobby Allison's car. They're working on something inside, but under the caution, this won't hurt him too much. He's back underway. Joe Prasad pulling out at the same time. College Station, Texas is where the action is, and you'll always find the action where you find the most competitive automobile racing in the world, NASCAR stock car racing. H.B. Bailey of Houston, Texas, pulls on a pit road. Here's number 19, Henley Gray, Darrell Waltrip, James Hilton, Cecil Gordon, Ramos Stott, the Keokuk chief himself, David Sisko, and Carnival 30, Walter Ballard of Houston, all on pit road in the second caution period of the day at Texas World Speedway, where we're having a tremendous duel among these leading competitors this afternoon. With us right now is Dan Holloway, Jr., the gentleman responsible for Texas World Speedway, and it must be a pleasure to you to see this great race and this fine crowd out for today's event. That was a great race, and we we're really impressed. The cars are running real fast, and we got a pretty good crowd here, and the skies are clear. We couldn't be you know, any happier than we are right now. Let's for just a moment remind listeners around the country they'll have another opportunity to see the fastest super speedway in the world of the Grand National Stock Cars later on this year when the showdown for the season happens right here, Dan. As of November, uh, it's the last race on the schedule, and we always have a big one then. They're always after them to get those points, and uh, like always, it'll be a close race. And for sure, with the battle this year, Benny Parsons, now number one, and a lot of the heavy shoes behind him. That last race of the year is going to be a dandy, so you might make your plans to be at Texas World Speedway in November. You finally got the weather with you, Dan. Yeah, Ken, finally. <laughs> and we appreciate it. <laughs> Well, you picked the right saint for today's race. I think Bill France sent something to us. <laughs> On pit road, thank you very much for coming by, is Tony Bettenhausen, Jr., Dean Dalton. The car's coming in. Allison is back on pit road once again. What do you think that one's about, Marvin? Well, remember, uh, there goes the mechanic back in the uh, cockpit with Bobby. They're either working on the shift itself. It's hard to tell from here, but a lot of the ignition parts are hung behind the dash on these cars. But uh, we'll just have to wait and get a report from the pits on. It's hard to tell. 
at Texas World Speedway, we're under caution in a thrilling race. And for you folks in California, this same kind of thrilling, action-packed competition moves next Sunday at Riverside, California, when the Grand National Stock Cars will be performing in their last road race of the season. Riverside, next Sunday. Sure hope you can be around to enjoy that one. A few folks out in California. From Texas World Speedway, this is the Motor Racing Network. At Texas World Speedway, in the pits, Jerry Smith talks with two other retirees from this 500-mile race. Rick Newsom went out a little bit earlier. Rick, what was your problem? Uh, we broke an oil line on the car. I've had a little trouble with it leaking all week, and we tried to fix it this morning. thought we had it fixed, but uh, I guess it just broke. And we're about ready to go back to green. Let me quickly go over to Cuckoo Marlin. Cuckoo, you scattered it pretty good out there. Well, the car's been a little weak all in. All I could just I run it flat out, just stay on the edge of the draft. And uh, I had a feeling it's going to let go. It's a hot day. Hot, heat bothering you at all in the car? Yes, it was. It's getting pretty warm in there. Okay, back to the tower in Ken Square. Temperature in the cockpit of these stock cars at over 125 degrees. Average speed at 40 laps, 80 miles, 137.667 miles per hour. And the rundown at 40 laps, 80 miles, we are in the 45th lap. Ready for Green to come out in half a lap was Baker in front, Petty in second, Allison third, Kaylee Arborough fourth, Joe Frisson fifth. In sixth was Darrell Waltrip, seventh was Benny Parsons, eighth at that time was Cecil Gordon. Then in ninth at 40 laps was Cuckoo Marlin, who then brought out the caution. And tenth was Lenny Pond of Ettrick, Virginia. We're preparing for a start. The field moving gracefully through turn number four, and we go to Barney Hall. That field tightening up real as they come out against that wall, here's Richard Petty on the break as the green flag is waved by Pete Keller. Petty blasts out of the pack, moves down to the start-finish line, and you, Ken Squire. As they come across the line, completing the 46th lap, Petty is first, Baker is second, Kaylee Arborough third, Joe Frisson is side-by-side with Benny Parsons for fourth, and moving up in the fifth comes car number 12, Bobby Allison. In the sixth goes Darrell Waltrip. Allison was pushed right to the wall two times on that start as he had to come from way back in the field. For the second time in this race, he's back up into fifth place and closing on the leaders as they are out of turn number two. Richard Petty sweeps down the back straightaway. Here's Buddy Baker making the charge, and Cale Yarbrough's picked up the draft, and he's hanging on in third position. Petty and that STP Dodge goes to the bottom of the racetrack as they move into turn number three. Closing is Cale Yarbrough on Baker, and the battle is up front. Baker sweeps down to the inside. Richard Petty has about eight car lengths now. Biggest lead of the race as they come down to you, Ken Squire. As they come across the line, Allison's the one that's making the move. He's come around by Benny Parsons, moved himself into fifth position behind Joe Frisson. Petty leading, Baker second, Kaylee Yarbrough third, bumper to bumper in the 48th lap at Texas World Speedway. Frank Warren has made a great move coming up from way back in the pack, and Frank Warren may have found some speed in that dodge for the Texas Alamo 500. It's still Richard Petty out in front. Buddy Baker trying to challenge off of turn two. Going down the backstretch, Petty has the lead. Pulling up on him comes Buddy Baker in second. Kale taking a lower groove in turn numbers three and four. Runs in third. Joe Frisson is in fourth. And challenging him is Bobby Allison in fifth. In sixth is Benny Parsons running seventh. Darrell Waltrip eighth is Cecil Gordon as the field comes by to complete 48 laps. The ninth position is right now being held by Ramo Stott with a seventh... Car number 70 running in 10th, J.D. McDuffie and Lenny Pond of Ettrick, Virginia running in 11th. The battle is over between Joe Frisson as Allison just whizzed by him and moved into fourth position, but Frisson won't let him go as they move down the backstretch and into turn three by Barney Hall. 
Prasad is locked on the bumper of Bobby Allison, but the lead has changed also as that maneuver was made by Allison. Baker swept to the inside of Richard Petty, and the K&K Dodge is riding on the point as they move out of turn number four. Here's Petty trying to find an opening on the inside as they almost peel the numbers off the door coming out of turn number four. Down they come with car number 71, Baker on the outside, Petty on the inside, and then 12 car lengths back in third spot as Cale Yarborough right behind him comes Allison as they scoot into the first turn. Baker still has it with Petty now diving to the inside. He comes way high on the wall, dives clear down to the white line on the inside, puts his nose right up on Baker's bumper, comes off the second turn and swings to the outside, tries it again and can't get by. Richard Petty keeping the pressure on as they move down the back straightaway into turn number three. There's less than a car link separating the two now. Baker today dropping right to the bottom of the racetrack. Petty riding in the high groove as Richard maintains less than a car link separation. They're in turn number four. Baker looks for a hole, goes out against the wall as Petty hangs on as they move down to Ken Squire. Baker fighting at 180 miles per hour to keep Richard Petty behind him, and Petty won't have any of it. He goes for the inside. Meanwhile, here is... Bobby Allison going by Kaylee Arborough and taking over third. Allison, who started 21st originally in this race, moved up through, had to go back again, has come through again, is in the third, and there's a challenge for the lead in turn two. There's a steel sandwich on the back straight as Bob Whitlow just got an education in NASCAR racing. Richard Penny went to the inside of Whitlow's car. Buddy Baker went to the outside, and Whitlow must have wondered what in the world was going on. Baker still has the lead in turn three. Here comes Kaylee Arborough challenging Bobby Allison as they move out of turn four. They're side by side for third position, and here comes Joe Frisson trying the inside. They can run them three deep here at College Station, Texas, and that's just what they're trying to do right now. Allison trying to stay in front of Kaylee Arborough. Meanwhile, Petty puts a move on Buddy Baker for the lead in turn one. Petty can't get by, and Allison, who was side by side with Kale Yarborough, flashed the high sign to his pit crew. Everything's working all right, obviously, for him, and he just swung back around Kale Yarborough and got rid of that challenge. We have a report on more cars out of the race. Car number 22, Jimmy Crawford's car, officially retired from the drive shaft problem. Car number 40 came out of competition today. D.K. Ulrich reported as the engine freezing up in car number 96. That was Richard Childress' car breaking the right rear suspension. What a battle going on at Texas World Speedway. In front, bumper to bumper. It's Baker and Petty for the lead, and bumper to bumper, three cars for third. Allison, Kaylee Arborough, and Joe Frisson slug it out for that position. Then Darrell Waltrip and Benny Parsons come by in a draft. From Texas World Speedway, this is the Motor Racing Network. In the 53rd lap, this crowd at College Station, Bryan, Texas, is being treated to typical NASCAR racing. Three great races all going on at the same moment. In the front position battle, it is Baker running against Petty. The second battle is the one that's working for third spot that pits right now. Cale Yarborough losing to Bobby Allison again. Allison running third with Cale behind him and then Joe Frisson. And the third battle in the race is the one that's going on for the fifth for the sixth position which features Darrell Waltrip and Benny Parsons door-to-door -door around the speedway and all of those cars are within two seconds of each other meanwhile on the backstretch here's a move for the lead side by side going into turn number three Baker and Petty as they're headed toward turn three they're exactly door-to-door -door in turn number three here's Petty on the outside goes high up in the groove and he's around Baker but only by about a half a car length Baker keeping the pressure on as they come out of turn four as this crowd is on their feet cheering them on and they're a dead heat as they move down across the start finish line boy it would take a photo finish to decide who took that lap that was the 54th a 55th lap completed 55 laps down on this two-mile speedway Here's the rundown of 50 laps, 100 miles. It showed Baker leading. He's back in front of Petty again in second. 
with third spot Kelly Yarborough, fourth at 50 laps, 100 miles. Bobby Allison going fifth was Prasan, sixth was Benny Parsons, seventh was Darrell Waltrip, eighth was Cecil Gordon, and going ninth was Lenny Pond of Ettrick, Virginia in that beautiful car number 54. The backstretch battle continues here, and it's Allison in front of Cale Yarborough for third position, then running in fifth in those three cars. Here comes Cale back on the inside, Barney Hall, in turn four. Cale's been caught in that draft for a long time, trying to break out of it and get around Allison. He's managed to do it a couple of times, but each time Allison has wrenched it back away from him. And give Joe Frisson all the credit in the world because Joe's driving probably the best race of his career here today, also Ken Squire. Darrell Waltrip. Going by with car number 72, Benny Parsons locked right to him as they moved down into turn number one. And now, Waltrip gets a little bit of an advantage. He's pulling away from Benny Parsons in turn two. Waltrip has himself about a six-car length advantage over Benny Parsons. If you want to draw back for another battle, NASCAR uh, driver who's in contention for Rookie of the Year honors, Lenny Pond, is racing with the man who leads the USAC Stock Car Championship, Ramo Stott, and J.D. McDuffie in a good three-car race. That, the, that is the next one behind that uh, two-car race you mentioned previously. The leaders go down into turn number one. And they complete the 57th lap here at College Station, Texas, with Buddy Baker in command. He won the last time he was here to win the final race of 1972's $3 million Winston Series. He's here trying to win the initial event of 1973 with Richard Petty pressing right against him as they head down that long, beautiful back straightaway and up into this 22-degree banking of the turns, which are wide enough for three cars to easily run side-by-side -side on at College Station, Texas. The third-place duel continues to see Allison leading Kaylee Arborough and Joe Frisson, then running in the sixth position is Darrell Waltrip, the just outstanding youngster who's come in from Owensboro, Kentucky, making his racing home the Nashville Fairgrounds in Tennessee. He's leading the number one driver in the country, Benny Parsons of Detroit, Michigan, by only three car lengths as Benny is crowding back up on the back end of Darrell Waltrip's automobile in turn one. They're climbing to turn number one, and Cale uh, Yarborough is making a move on Bobby Allison as they come out of turn number two. And Joe Frazone, who usually gets his fender right up in the thick of things, is sitting back about five car lengths as Yarborough comes to the inside of Bobby Allison. Frazone isn't uh, tapping on bumpers like he's been known to do. Back to radio control. It's a beautiful race, but we have had two caution periods thus far in the event. We've completed 58 laps, which brings us to 116 miles. The average speed is 131.86 miles per hour. Overlapping Frank Warren going into turn one is Buddy Baker. Still ecstatic about that win the first man that's ever won charlotte two years success successively uh, winning the world 600 again this year as well as last and the only man to ever win it three times he comes into this texas world speedway where the k and k car has always qualified well looking really strong right now leading baker by one car length for the folks that were at charlotte they'll have to admit buddy baker's car performed beautifully buddy performed beautifully it was a flawless race for buddy he did a superior job Baker was leading Petty. I think I had Baker in there twice a moment ago. But right now, Petty is making a move. They've got three cars side by side on the inside was the car number 36 of H.B. Bailey to Pontiac. Petty tried to shoot up the middle. He ran out of room, and he has to fall back in second position behind Baker in turn one as we go into lap number 61. Cale Yarborough has made a move, uh, dropping back to third place. Yarborough is now in third. Bobby Allison is in fourth. And Joe Frazone rides in fifth place, dropping back further. Darrell Waltrip is in sixth. And Benny Parsons is closing on Waltrip as they're in turn two. Back to radio control. 
down the back stretch. Buddy Baker in the K&K Dodge continuing to lead the race by one car length over Richard Petty. Bobby Allison came in here late. You know, he missed six weeks of the Grand National Circuit. He had a completely missed Charlotte this year. He said himself he came into Dover ill-prepared, but he's here today with a car that qualified third fastest overall, fastest qualifier on the second day of qualifying for the Alamo 500 at Texas World Speedway. And we asked him if he was surprised at really how well he did in qualifying the Chevrolet at Texas World. Kind of a pleasant surprise. Uh, we felt like we could be at least fourth or fifth, but uh, Kale's been pretty tough lately, and uh, we didn't know that we could beat him, but we did. That's Bobby Allison, the leader of the Alabama gang, who had such ill fortune at Indianapolis, breaking in only the second lap. They really didn't have time to warm up those Indy cars. It usually takes an hour and a half, and they tried to do it in 45 minutes, and a lot of really top drivers and top equipment was broken at Indy because of that. Right now, Petty is pulled up on the rear bumper of Baker, and I mean on the rear bumper as they go into turn one. Tapped him going across the start-finish line and eases off just slightly now to give Baker some breathing room. Petty slips to the outside to get a little air in the radiator. Now he comes to the inside, slingshotting to the inside, diving to the white line. He's got a fender alongside Baker. They're side-by-side -side on the back straight. Baker pulls away. This car, the K&K &K car, prepared by Harry Hyde for Buddy Baker is performing as well as at Charlotte. It's just a beautiful racing car, and they put so much effort into it. And also, it's a real pleasure to have a uh, competitor like Petty uh, working on you because you can trust Petty. You can depend on him. He will not ever do anything deliberate to mess you up, but he is a real hard contender. It's a real pleasure for the rest of the drivers to race with and around Richard Petty. And I Allison's believe Bobby Allison. Bobby Allison in the pit. Allison has just pulled out of the pit row. This is under green. This is going to be a costly stop. Meanwhile, Baker leading. All he can see in that rearview mirror is the face of Richard Petty glaring at him. The right side rubber is being applied to car number 12, the Coke machine of Bobby Allison, changing right side tires on that car. Marvin? They were not expecting any tire problems of, of any kind today, so he must have ran over something on the racetrack. This is Jerry Smith along pit row. I've got Marty Robbins with me now. Marty, uh, the guys were saying they've never seen you run better or stronger right up there among them. Well, I, I never have ran any better than I did today. Where, where'd you get it all? Uh, well, this, uh, I think a valve spring broke. You know, and I never did really find where I could run the car, you know. The more I ran it, well, the more I could tell where I had to run it, you know. But I had as much down the straightaway as, as any car out there because I could run by myself and say with, you know, within 10 distance of Petty and Baker. So. If I, could, if I could have just had a little practice on this track, I, I could have, well, I'm proud of the car, and, and I'm proud of Davis Automotive and Cotton Owens, you know, that built the car. But I'm, I'm just proud of the car. I had a, a great day here today. It only lasted a little while, but I really had a wonderful time. And, and uh, well, I'm looking forward to the next race. Marty, you look a little wrung out. How hot is it out there for you? I guess it's about 150, but that doesn't bother me. The only time it bothers me is, like now I get to thinking about it, you know, I don't, you know, like how well uh, the car was running, how well it was handling, and you know, it's just, uh, it was only turning 6,000 RPMs and, and a valve spring brake. Uh oh, back to the tower with Ken Squire. We would remind you racing fans around the country that Marty Robbins' next race will be on the 4th of July. 
at Daytona Beach, Florida. The track where he crashed so badly in the Daytona 500 this past year will be where he brings it all back together. Marty Robbins is going back to where he suffered one of the worst crashes of his racing career, went into the wall and turned number four there and slid for over a thousand feet backwards, just crunching that car. And he says, I'm going back and I'm going to prove that I can lick Daytona. Fourth of July, you'll see him in the Firecracker 400. Ken Squire in turn number one, Bobby Allison, who was a lap down, is fighting desperately to unlap himself with the leader, Buddy Baker. He's gotten around Richard Petty. He came out of the pits behind Petty, and now he's working on Baker in hopes that a caution flag will come out, and he can move up and pick up that lap. Back to this hour. Buddy Baker has the biggest lead he's had all day. He's leading by three car lengths over Richard Petty in the Alamo 500. At 68 laps, Bobby Allison Chevrolet is working on the back end of Buddy Baker's Dodge, trying to get back in the same lap with the leaders in the Alamo 500 from Texas World Speedway. This is the Motor Racing Network. The 60-lap rundown coming out here as we come around a complete 70 laps. At 60 laps, 120 miles, the average speed was 136.536 miles per hour, which is not a record. Baker was leading with Petty second, Kelly Arborough third, Bobby Allison fourth, running fifth was Joe Frisson, and sixth was Darrell Waltrip, seventh was Benny Parsons, eighth was Cecil Gordon, running in the ninth position was Ramo Stott, and in tenth position was J.D. McDuffie. Those are the unofficial standings at 60 laps. Since that time, Allison had to pit under green. The NASCAR record book is it's the official It's put him a lap down. It has put him a lap back from the rest of the field, and uh, he's trying to make that up right now. He is running in the second position as the field comes around, but he's running a lap down. And he's trying to unlap himself, move back in front of the leader, Richard Petty, so he'll be in the same lap with the leaders. The 70-lap rundown will be upcoming momentarily. The speed of 136.53, certainly not indicative of the individual lap speeds, which are way up there today in the 168, 170-mile-an-hour bracket. Here's number 67, Buddy Arrington, coming down to pit road. He had trouble at the start. And they had to take a couple of extra laps to get the start going after Richie Panch's car broke an engine down and turned number one on one of those uh, pre-race laps. And it gave Arrington a chance to get in the race. But right now, he's having problems. And his beautiful dark red and gold number 67 car is on pit road just to our right. The Martinsville, Virginia driver in a Dodge automobile entered by Cherokee Construction, Marvin Panch. Uh, you just spoke of uh, Richie having that problem. Remember, he had it before he got the uh, green flag. Does that count as entering a race? Because, you know, he's concerned. He can only run uh, five races uh, this year without being eligible for rookie for next year. I was wondering if that counts as a race or not. I have to check on that one, see what its story is. Here's number 10, Bill Champion, coming down on a pit road. Meanwhile, on the backstretch. Bobby Allison has fallen back. One spot. Richard Petty has moved around him, so he is a lap and two positions down. One lap and two spots back. That pit stop, by the way, on Bobby Allison was a real quick one. 17 seconds, you know, when he had under the green, so... Changing two why, tires in right, 17 seconds is a good day's work. Here they come out of turn number four, completing their 73rd lap, 146 miles complete. Petty makes a move around the outside of Baker as they go into the first turn, but he just couldn't quite squeeze by. Couldn't get by, and Baker holds on the lead. Back to radio control. Off that turn number two, here comes Petty back on the inside, maybe just breathing that car in the slipstream created by car number 71, the second car. Two cars together run faster than one car by itself as they draft around this speedway. Lenny Pond is pitting his car. Lenny Pond, who had been running, the latest report we had on him was a ninth position. 
a ninth position on Lenny Pond, and 10th was J.D. McDuffie. There was a mix-up on numbers, and it was Lenny Pond's car in ninth. He's on pit road for right side rubber under green. Clocks, uh, clocks are on him to see how quickly he can pull this job off. The Allison crew is his pit crew. Bobby Allison's crew pitting for Lenny Paw. They've changed right side rubber. There's a hold momentarily on the car, however. They've completed the changing of tires. The hold up was on the field, uh, on the field and that was a uh, fairly lengthy stop. That was 26 seconds. Lenny Pond back underway, one of the contenders for Rookie of the Year. From Texas World Speedway, this is the Motor Racing Network. At Texas World Speedway, the 70-lap rundown, which brought the field to 140 miles, had car number 71 leading Buddy Baker with Richard Petty in second, Dodge running one and two, Chevrolet third, Cayley Arboro, Dodge in fourth, Joe Frisson, Mercury in fifth, Darrell Waltrip, Chevrolet in sixth, Benny Parsons, Chevrolet in seventh, Cecil Gordon. One lap down in eighth position, the Chevrolet of Bobby Allison with ninth position, Lenny Pond, and the tenth position, David Sisko. Eleventh position was J.D. McDuffie's car number 70, a Monte Carlo Chevrolet. The field now moving down to complete the 77th lap here at Texas World Speedway with Buddy Baker still leading by one car length over Richard Petty. We asked Buddy Baker just for the race today, how he planned to run this Alamo 500. Staying in contention, really uh, not concerning ourselves with leading the race all the way. I think uh, I think the lead car is, is finally sinking in after all these years that the lead car is actually the guinea pig for the whole club. Uh, this is the car that goes out and runs the tire test. Uh, also gets the traffic prepared for the other cars to come by. And there's just a lot of disadvantages to leading early. Uh, at Charlotte, I dropped back to fourth or fifth there at the very beginning, and uh, I really got to see racing in a different light than I had in the past few years, and uh, tomorrow will be no exception. I feel that the last 50 miles of any race are the important parts of it, to stay competitive and then in the running, and then when it comes time, if you got a little bit better, if you save your car a little bit better than some guy that's obsessed with leading, uh, you're going to beat him, period. That was how Buddy Baker planned to run it, but some unusual circumstances in the early going, and he has elected to run in front with Petty right here now in the early going at 79 laps this time by Marvin Panch. The reason for the switching back and forth with Petty could possibly be that when you follow another car draft right on him all the time, you could run heat. So they might be changing places back and forth to eliminate that heating problem. 158 of 500 miles are complete. And the standings show the Dodges of Buddy Baker and Richard Petty up in front with car number 11, the Mercury driven by Kelly Arborough in third. Bobby Allison having to pit under the, under the green flag has cost him a lap. However, the way things are going, we should be coming up on pit stops at about 10 more laps, and he could be getting that lap back and finding himself right back in the thick of this race. If there is no caution for the next 10 or 12 laps, those two leaders, Buddy Baker and Richard Petty, will have to bring their cars on the pit road, and it would bring Allison right back around to be running with the leaders, although there is some smoke markings on the back of his automobile of Allison's car number 12. Roger Bear, have you noticed that? As you watch Allison going to turn number one, you see what appears to be grease appearing on the center part of the uh, of the rear deck, uh, uh, maybe coming out of the rear end of the automobile. 
and uh, it's not something coming out of the exhaust, but it appears to be more something coming out of the rear end. I know they're checking on that in the pits with Allison's crew. Back to radio control. Let's go to the pits with Jerry Smith. On that very same problem, that was a grease problem we mentioned earlier, that there was a possibility of having a problem with a grease seal. That has been corrected. Now, the last time Bobby made a pit stop, uh, he pulled in, told his crew chief that he was having trouble with rubber on the right side. Ralph Moody looked at the tires and says, I don't see anything wrong with them. They made the change, but there is something with the car that Bobby's not happy with. Back to the tower. He is running a lap off the lead automobiles, but we should be getting regular stops under green very, very shortly. And when that happens, it could change the whole game for Bobby Allison, who's really making his first concerted effort since he took several weeks off for that ill-fated Indianapolis race this year. Up in front, Buddy Baker leads by three car lengths over Richard Petty, and those two Dodges performing beautifully before a tremendous crowd here at College Station, Texas this afternoon are about to overlap. Car number 77, Charlie Roberts of Anniston, Alabama, Henley Gray's automobile as they scoot down into the first turn. Moving into that first turn, and they get around Charlie Roberts from Anniston and the Sonny King Ford. Baker moves by, Petty moves by, now Alice moves by, and Lenny Pond is closing up, uh, running, trying to run in that same pack. Moving up now on Ramos Stott and to J.D. McDuffie as they go down the back straight. James Hilton is now pitting his car. Hilton in for right side rubber on his automobile. And we'll be seeing these leaders caught up with shortly. This is a very important race for the LG DeWitt car being driven by Benny Parsons. He's the number one driver in NASCAR today in the point battle. And he has to have a good finish here before moving on to that big race at Riverside, California next Sunday. Riverside was not particularly good to Benny when we were there in January. As you recall, Benny crashed at about 140 miles an hour up in turn six at Riverside International Raceway. But he says it works for him about every other race out there. He crinkles one and one and comes back and has a dandy finish the next time. He said, the way my luck is right now, this should be my good race. So we'll have to wait next Sunday and see what happens out there at Riverside for the number one driver in the United States in stock car racing, Benny Parsons. The leaders go whipping down at a turn number three with Buddy Baker enjoying a two-car length advantage over Richard Petty in second, and they have strung it out a little between themselves and the third-place position car of Junior Johnson being driven by Cale Yarborough, Timmonsville, South Carolina great. The Texas World Speedway, a two-mile track, banged 22 degrees the turns, which makes for some of the most exciting racing competition you can see, and would remind you that in November you'll see the last race of the year on the Grand National Circuit right here on this tremendous racing facility. We do hope you'll plan to be here and enjoy it. Remind you again that next week we'll be at Riverside, California, and that's on the air. You can't be there to enjoy the road racing performance of the Grand National Stars of NASCAR. Two weeks from now we'll be in Cambridge Junction, Michigan, for another exciting Grand National race on that two-mile racing facility. And on the 4th of July, America's largest Independence Day celebration at Daytona Beach, Florida, the Firecracker 400. Make sure you make your plans to vacation at Daytona Beach the 4th of July. You'll see the Paul Revere 250 starting at midnight and then early in the morning so you've got plenty of time to beach it at Daytona. You can get out and see that great Firecracker 400. Here comes the 80-lap rundown, 160 miles, average speed 142.751 miles per hour, 142.751. And as the speed escalates, Baker stays in front, Petty stays in second, Cale Yarborough in third, running fourth, Joe Frisson's Dodge Automobile, 
fifth, car number 95, Darrell Waltrip, six, Benny Parsons, and running seventh, Cecil Gordon, all in the same lap. One lap back in eighth position, Bobby... 79 comes from Harrisburg, North Carolina. Beautiful 73 Dodge now being tanked, and here's Prasan coming in. Now we're beginning to see the leaders pit, and this could be the big break for Bobby Allison. The leaders are beginning to come in. We have the fourth-place car on pit road. John Green serving at the present time as crew chief for Joe Frisson's car, and we understand this will be the last time that John Green will be performing that task with the Joe Frisson car, that he may be moving on possibly to Larry Smith's Carling Black Label car, but that has not been officially done yet. I think they're still negotiating that. But John Petty, is, Richard Petty should be coming in. They've got the pit board up for Richard Petty this lap. Back to radio There's the word. Petty is supposed to be coming in this lap, so stand by. Richard Petty and the STP Dodge will be pulling in. Buddy Baker should be pulling in momentarily, and Allison will have an opportunity to make up that lap. He is down. We should have three cars running for the lead again very, very shortly. Petty is dropped on the inside. Looks like he's coming in, Barney. Petty drops right down on the groove as he moves in. Benny Parsons ducks in in front of him, and the leaders are beginning to pitch him. So here's the number one driver of the nation today, Benny Parsons, the four-time national champion, Richard Petty, both on pit road at the same time, leaving Buddy Baker well out in front of second-place runner right now, Cale Yarborough. He should be pitting shortly. It's right-side rubber for Petty's car, and it looked like the jack went up a little slow on car number 43. Anyway, it's up there. They are under green for this stop. It's an important one. Here's Baker motoring down the backstretch with Bobby Allison tight to him, about 10 car length separation between the two. The action is taking place in the Alamo 500 at Texas World Speedway. The lead car, Buddy Baker, is now on pit road. Baker is in in the K&K &K Dodge, car number 71. And Allison is trying to make up that lap right now, put himself back in this race with the leaders. Stand by for more action from College Station, Texas, in the Alamo 500. From Texas World Speedway, this is the Motor Racing Network. The new leader of the Alamo 500 is Cale Yarborough, Timmonsville, South Carolina campaigner. He has yet to pit. We may see him preparing now to pull on pit road. Barney Hall. He's dropped off the pace speed-wise. He's down to the lower groove, and Cale is heading for the pits, Ken. So the lead continues to be bartered around here on this pit stop. We could see Darrell Waltrip coming in as the leader. Has he pitted in the past few moments? I don't believe he has, and Waltrip would inherit the lead before he has to come in. Ramo Stott is on pit road, the Iowa, and here's Kale, along with Ray Williams at Chapel Hill, North Carolina, all bringing their cars on pit road, and a signal from Darrell Waltrip as he comes by, but he wants right side rubber apparently next time around. The leaders coming by remain, Buddy Baker, Richard Petty, Bobby Allison, all in there together now. We'll have an exact breakdown for you momentarily as to how they stand. We've completed 93 laps, 186 miles are by here in this 500-mile Grand National Competition. And next week, it's 400 miles of automobile racing fury taking place at Riverside, California. The following Sunday, we'll be broadcasting to you from the Irish Hills of Michigan, the beautiful Michigan International Raceway. And we hope you'll be with us to enjoy that one. Another 500-miler for this rugged division, the most competitive automobile racing in the world, the Grand National Stars of NASCAR. The latest on the board shows Joe Frisson's car number 18 as the lead automobile, and Joe has had some wild moments. Here's Darrell Waltrip pulling on a pit road just a few moments ago. Roger Baird out in turns one and two saw Joe go through that first turn area just about sideways. Here's how Roger saw it. Joe Frazone came into the first turn area, got behind some lap traffic. In this case, it was Ray Williams, and Frazone evidently decided he wanted to go on the inside, and 
laid it sideways, laid a big swatch of black mark sideways through the first turn, made it through nicely, straightened it out, and passed Ray Williams on the inside. Back to radio control. J.C. Elder in the crew manager's position for Darrell Waltrip's car number 95, which is changing right side rubber. They have both tires changed. They're still waiting to add 20 gallons of gas. They've only run 20 gallons of gas in these Grand National cars, and they can change two tires faster than they can put 20 gallons of gasoline in the tank. Report on the pit stops. Petty's pit stop, 19 seconds. Uh, car number 72, Benny Parsons, 20 seconds. The K&K car, 18 seconds. Cale Yarbrough's car, 22 seconds. Darrell Waltrip's car, 31 seconds. So those are the leaders as they came in and pitted under green. We're going to have a rundown after all these pit stops on the positioning in just a moment. We were talking with J.C. Elder yesterday about this young rookie sensation in the terminal transport car, Darrell Waltrip. And here's what car builder and longtime mechanic on the Grand National Circuit had to say about Darrell Waltrip. A good driver. But as like Darrell said, he got, you know, he's got a lot to learn. You know, he thought he's learning more every day. He's learning how to draft, you know, and all that stuff. And I, I feel like the kid's gonna make a real good driver. Well, you've seen a, you've seen a lot of them come up through. How long does it take? How long do you think it's gonna be before he can really be in there and mix it up? I say the end of this year, and, and I say the, if he gets a real good car next year, I think he can be able to run Kale, Richard, or Isaac. He's updating by just about one half year. He has been running in fifth position this afternoon against Kale, Richard, Buddy, and Bobby. The stars of NASCAR, Kaylee Arborough, Richard Petty, Buddy Baker, Bobby Allison here in this great race taking place at College Station, Texas. The latest standings are as follows, with 97 laps complete, bringing us to 194 miles. It is Joe Frisson in front, car number 18, running the second position. Car number 71, Buddy Baker, running third position. Car number 72, that's Benny Parsons. Running fourth is Richard Petty. And fifth is car number 12, Bobby Allison. So apparently car number 72 has been electing to try and stretch out the fuel here, go as well as he could for as long as he could past the regular pit stop, hoping that there would be a caution flag that would put him right up with the leaders. We have 98 laps complete. The average speed staying right up at 142.75 miles per hour. Looking on a 90-lap rundown here momentarily. Let's go to Marvin Panch. I'm just uh, sitting here thinking, Ken, uh, these cars are running a terrific pace for this early in the race. Uh, like uh, Petty and Baker, they just haven't backed off at all. They've been uh, seem to have the edge on the rest of the cars, the Chevys uh, of Allison and uh, also, uh, uh, the Junior Johnson car, they hooked up together in a draft, trying to close on Petty and Baker. They were not able to do it. So it looks like the Chrysler products are just a shade stronger than the Chevys here today. And then, of course, Darrell Waltrip's car is running very well. So a lot will depend on how the caution flags come out and how they get bunched up right near the end of the race. And any one of these uh, three different mates could win it. Coming around to complete 100 laps, 200 miles, Darrell Waltrip crossing the line. Here's Charlie Roberts' car, followed by James Hilton coming to the line. And here's Benny Parsons still out there with David Sisko right behind him, and then Frank Warren as we look at some of the cars still very much in competition. J.D. McDuffie, and now car number 11, scooting by Cale Yarborough. The leader, car number 71 at the present time. Buddy Baker has taken over as the front-running position car. And 18, Joe Frisson looked a little slow the last time by Roger Bear.
From Texas World Speedway, this is the Motor Racing Network. We've had a report on a couple more cars dropping out of competition today. Car number 15, Bobby Isaac's car, now is officially among the group. He's been out for a while with that engine that came down that created the problem that sent Dave Marcus spinning. Bobby Isaac's car being officially tabulated now as the 10th car out of the race. Car number 15, Isaac. The 11th car to retire from the event today was car number 40, the DK Ulrich machine. The 12th car out of the race was car number 20, car number, correction on that, 14. Let's make sure we haven't picked him up before. Cuckoo Marlin's car has officially retired from the event. So we have 12 cars now reported out of competition from the 38 that started. 26 remain racing with 116 laps, 232 miles complete. On the Allison Pitt uh, stop, the right side jack men uh, and tire men had a real quick stop, but they're having problems getting gas in that car. It was a 22-second pit stop. For some reason, they're held up on that side. Meanwhile, we're talking about the Texas drivers. Uh, car uh, number 36 uh, uh, was in. They had the hood up on the car. H.B. Bailey's car, and they had a quite a long pit stop. So that's going to hurt H.B. today with that Pontiac. 117 laps down, 71 Isaac in front. We'll check the interval between the first and second position automobile. Separation between these two as Lenny Pond of Ettrick, Virginia brings his car on a pit road and we go back to Jerry Smith in the pits. Forgive me again, we do have trouble, uh, mechanical troubles here. We hope to have it repaired in just a moment. Right side rubber for Lenny Pond's car, changing the right side tires on Lenny Pond's automobile. And we're getting the interval now between first and second place once again. Marvin? Three, three and 80 hundredths of a second. So he, uh, Richard has closed just a little. Not hardly enough to mention, though, Ken. I think it, uh, what it is is when they come up on different traffic, they're running about the same. Petty is closing a little. Like you take every three laps, Petty does gain about a tenth of a second. Lenny Pond of Ettrick, Virginia is back on the racetrack again. We asked Lenny how he liked this Texas World Speedway track. I like the track a whole lot. It seems to be real nice and it's kind of wide, you know, where you can let the car go a little bit if you want to. And, and uh, it's pretty been smooth, so for this big a track, I, I think it's real fine. Watching that interval now, and it stays about the same as they complete 119 laps, 120 lap rundown of coming. Let's give you that 100 lap, 200 mile breakdown. The average speed at 145, 660 miles per hour with at 100 laps, 200 miles, Baker leading, Petty in second, Bobby Allison then fourth, and Kaylee Arboro in fifth, a lap down. In the sixth position, was, or rather in the fifth position, one lap down, Joe Frisson. In the sixth position was car number 35. Take a correction on that one as it, it would be- Oh, a blown engine right in front of the tower. Car number 64, Elmo Langley, Charlotte, North Carolina. A lot of smoke pouring from the automobile. He keeps it under control, moves into turn one, and pulls down on the apron, Ken Squire. Caution is again on the speedway. Third caution period of the race. That would be number 95, not 35, that was running in sixth position, which was Darrell Waltrip's car. Seventh was car number 72, Benny Parsons. In the eighth position, two laps down was Cecil Gordon. In the ninth position, three laps down, Lenny Pond. In the tenth position was David Sisko. In the 11th position, five laps down was Cisco. 
Then came car number 70, which was J.D. McDuffie. And let me repeat that for you again. We've had a blown engine. Car number 64, Almo Langley unhinging just after coming across the line, and Pete Keller has draped the yellow flag out for the third time this afternoon. Again, the ninth position was car number 54, Lenny Pond at 100 laps, 200 miles. With the 10th position, number 05, David Sisko, 11th position, five laps down was J.D. McDuffie, and 12th at that time was Elmo Langley, who was just blown an engine. 13th was the car number nine. He was better than six laps down, being driven by Ramos Stott. The 14th position was car number 48, James Hilton. Running 15th was the car number 36 of H.B. Bailey. The 16th position, car number 61, Eddie Sreck from San Antonio, Texas. The 17th position was number 45, Ray Williams. 18th on the field was car number 79, Frank Warren. 19th was car number 38, Tony Bettenhausen, Jr. This is the 100-lap, 200-mile breakdown. In the 20th position, Bill Champion. Then in the 21st position, Walter Ballard. In the 22nd position, Henley Gray. The 23rd position, Charlie Roberts of Anniston, Alabama. The 24th position was number 67, Buddy Arrington. Running 25th was car number 08, Bob Whitlow of Orchard Lake, Michigan. And the 26th position was car number 7, Dean Dalton. And those were the cars still in competition. We had 27 cars still running at the, uh, or rather 26 cars. Dean Dalton's car had just dropped out of the race, we understand. Let's check on that one for sure. Having 12 cars out of the race, 12 cars out of the race, leaving 26 still in competition. So there is the way they stand. 2016 Dalton still running. Marked himself as the 26th car, and we had 12 cars out of the event. That was at the 200-mile mark. Marvin Panch. Here's something of interest. Uh, on all these rash of pit stops, all the leaders stopped to make pit stops. They all changed right-side tires and took on few, except Buddy Baker's car. He took on all four tires so if the leaders are going around again behind and catch up with the pace car and come in and get their left side tires that will put buddy back out in front from texas world speedway this is the motor racing network the third caution period of the alamo 500 has moved at least two-thirds of the way through we have a safety truck down here just in the main straightaway making a final check and we would think within a couple of laps they would spring them free once again the standings after everyone came in for fuel and tires had Buddy Baker in front, Richard Petty second, Bobby Allison third, Kaylee Arboro fourth, Joe Fersan fifth. And that was the way they were standing. I think we'll wait a moment or two and catch that one up. Meanwhile, a 110-lap rundown was posted, which was very much the same as the 100, in fact, identical. Then the 120-lap rundown. The speed had climbed at 110 laps to 147.130. The 120 Lap run down 240 miles, saw the speed up to 148, 505. Still not a record. And at 120 laps, we are in the 123rd at the present time, working toward 124. It was Buddy Baker leading, Petty in second, with car number 11, Kelly Arboro in third. Then one lap down, Allison in fourth again, dropping a lap off. In fifth spot, car number 95, Darrell Waltrip. In sixth was Benny Parsons. The seventh position was marked by Joe Frisson. Eighth position, two laps down, was Cecil Gordon. In the ninth position was car number 54. 
Lenny Pond having a dandy day. The 10th position, David Sisko. 11th, J.D. McDuffie. And 12th was reported as car number 65, and that would be erroneous. I don't believe, let's check our numerical, but I didn't see any 65s in here today. 148.505 miles per hour, and while we have a moment, we might review some of the standings from other speedways, and apparently when that engine blew, Almo Langley, he spewed parts down the main straightaway, Marvin, and they are picking up pieces of metal here in the main straight. This is Jerry on the pits. I do have Elmo Langley with me now. Elmo, uh, it's scattered pretty good on you. Huh? I, I can't understand. It's scattered pretty good on you? Yeah, didn't have any warning or nothing. It was, uh, everything was normal. All the gauges are reading normal, all pressure, water temperature, all temperature, but coming down the front straightaway, just all of a sudden it just scattered. And I guess parts all over the whole front straightaway. Elmo, you look a little bit beat and a little bit, uh, uh, well, frankly, you look a little hot. How hot is it out there for you? Well, it's uh, it's it's hot, but not as bad as last year when we were here. I think it's a lot better this time than it was last year. It was, it was terrible hot last time we was here. Good, Elmo. Better luck next time around. Thank you. Let's go back to the tower with Ken Swire. Latest report is the temperature in the cockpit has now climbed to over 130 degrees out here at Texas World Speedway this afternoon. While we're under this caution, we'll remind we would tell you about some of the results from other races that have taken place on NASCAR tracks around the country. This weekend, Richmond, Virginia's Tommy Ellis won the 100-lap sportsman race at Old Dominion Speedway in Manassas, Virginia. This weekend, L.D. Ottinger drove to victory in the 200-lap national championship race Saturday at Smoky Mountain Raceway in Maryville, Tennessee, as the Newport, Tennessee stock car driver makes his bid for the national championship. And the biggest crowd in the history of Greenville Pickens Speedway in South Carolina saw Sammy Ard, currently number one driver in the nation, Red Farmer, David Pearson, Johnny Allen, battle for 71 laps of a 200-lap NASCAR late model sportsman race, and then the weatherman won. It was rained out, and they'll finish that up next Saturday night. At Birmingham, Alabama, driver Elton Jones traveled to Nashville Saturday to beat the regular Tennessee drivers, including Darrell Waldrop, who finished second at the Nashville Fairgrounds. And here in Texas last night, Ronnie Chumley won his fourth race of the last five at the Meyer Speedway in Houston, Texas. They had a tremendous crowd up in Burlington, Vermont last night where uh, driver Canadian champion Jean-Paul Cabana won the 100-lap Milton 100. Uh, chased across the finish line by Ron Barkham, Beaver Dragon, and Tom Tiller's Dodge. Cabana, one of the leading drivers up there. Friday night at Plattsburgh, New York, at Plattsburgh International Raceway on the northern scene, Bob Dragon of Milton, Vermont, scored another victory. There's a name to be watching in the future for uh, up-and-coming drivers in the country. Bugsy Stevens took the Trenton qualifier at Stafford Springs, Connecticut last night. And incidentally, Marvin, that marks his first victory at Stafford Springs, that great half-mile track in Connecticut, in over two years. Bugsy Stevens is really a top competitor. He always has been. And remember, you folks around the country, you can see the very finest in short track racing. And to a lot of us, we, we feel that short track you'll always see as good or better race than anywhere else. Uh, those short trackers really get it on. And there are over 100 NASCAR short tracks around the country where on weekends you can see the superstars of tomorrow really doing their number. You just mentioned Alton Jones won a race here uh, last night. Uh, he's also one of our Grand National runners now. You know, he has that 73 Chevrolet that he's been running. Car number 79, Frank Warren of Augusta, Georgia, is back on pit road. This is Ken Squire along with Marvin Fanch and the staff of the Motor Racing Network bringing to you the Alamo 500 Grand National Race from College Station, Texas, where we're having a little bit of yellow fever this afternoon. Our third caution period as the yellow flag waving once again here by Chief Starter Pete Keller. The third caution coming out around the 120th lap, 121st lap, 
after an engine blew on Elmo Langley's car. We've had two blown engines which have brought out caution flags today. Of the 38 starters in the race, we have a total now of 25 still in competition. NASCAR does not take any chances at all, Kim. When an engine blows, they know that these hot engine parts laying on the racetrack, and you just tap them with one of those tires, and the degree of the tire, along with that hot uh, metal, it sails right through the tire, and it could put a car into the wall, and they don't want this to happen. So anytime they know of any metal on the track of any kind, they always show caution, and they don't want to take any chances at all. We have uh, completed halfway in the race. We have just completed 250 laps, and we are under caution as we come to that mark in this afternoon's event. Richard Petty has won here at the Texas World Speedway, had himself a victory, and Buddy Baker last year in competition on this track. Both of them leading contenders to win, and both of them right up front at the present time. Here's car number nine, Ramos Stott of Keokuk, Iowa, twice the Automobile Racing Club of America champion, and currently the number one driver in the stock car ranks of the United States Auto Club on Pitt Road in the Housby car, which comes out of Iowa. Car number 48, James Hilton of Inman, South Carolina, the Union Oil car, is also back on Pitt Road. We have gone halfway plus. We're at 127 laps, 125 marked it as halfway in this 500-mile test of Grand National Strength, which continues next Sunday at Riverside, California. And let me remind you again that it's one of those rare opportunities. Only twice a year in the Grand National schedule do we get to see these cars running on a road course, and both times at Riverside. The initial event of each season is at Riverside, California, and then in June, back to Riverside for 400 more miles. So hope you folks in California will avail yourselves of the tremendous opportunity to see the most competitive automobile racing in the world, Grand National Stock Car Racing of NASCAR at Riverside International Raceway next Sunday. Speaking of Riverside, uh, it reminds me of the first race that they ever had there for the stock cars. Uh, they have a regular group of sports car people that uh, work the caution flags in the various corners and the various locations around the track. And, and uh, I remember when the stock cars first rolled out for practice, these big lumbering cars come down there just to fly. <laughs> you should have seen these eyes on these folks that was uh, working the corners. They couldn't get over it. Of course, now they're real used to it. The following week, two weeks from now, we'll be broadcasting to you from, from Cambridge Junction, Michigan, up there at the Michigan International Raceway and the 4th of July at Daytona Beach, Florida. And let me remind you folks listening in in the uh, Tennessee area that following the 4th of July, the Grand National moves right along to Bristol, Tennessee to Larry Carrier's Pine Track. And we certainly hope that uh, you folks up there will be turning out to see the Grand National when they compete on July the 8th in the Volunteer 500 at Bristol International. Then July 15th, they move up north to uh, the Trenton Speedway for the Northern 300, July 22nd the Dixie 500 at the Atlanta International Raceway, and back on August 5th in Michigan, then August 12th, the Talladega 500 at the Alabama International Motor Speedway, August 25th, the Nashville 420 at the Nashville Fairgrounds, and looking ahead to September 3rd, it's the Southern 500 at Darlington. So those are the events where you'll see these NASCAR Grand National Stars upcoming. Here's Barney Hall. Awesome. Sitting here thinking about David Pearson, who's back in Spartanburg, South Carolina, playing golf this afternoon, Ken. And as I keep looking in the pack to see that Mercury automobile blasting in the front, and he's not here this afternoon, but he's back in uh, Spartanburg, South Carolina, and I know if he's probably listening to our broadcast that he's uh, a little bit sad by the fact that Bobby Isaac, his golfing companion and constant buddy, is out of the race here this afternoon in the Alamo 500. Let's go back to the tower. Isaac's probably wishing he had Pearson out here. They, they could find a couple of folks to play golf with, and with Pearson's score, they, they, they'd 
probably come home with a few shekels even if they didn't make them on the racetrack. Here's the pace car coming in, and we're ready for resumption of automobile racing this afternoon. The Pontiac pace car is in, and the green flag is out once more at the Alamo 500 as they break to the line. The lead automobile is car number 71. It's Buddy Baker, and right in front of him is the number one driver on the NASCAR circuit these days. Benny Parsons of Detroit. They scream into the first turn with the lead automobile. Baker putting a lap on Benny Parsons. Richard Petty is running in the second position. Kaylee Arborough third, running in fourth. Bobby Allison and in fifth is Darrell Waltrip at the Alamo 500. 130 laps, 260 miles are now. The leader is Buddy Baker. But his lead, which is extended over four seconds, is now cut to nine or ten car lengths as the field moves down to turn three. Baker screaming into turn number three, and Richard Petty, less than three car lengths behind, sandwiched in between, is Bobby Allison, who has picked up the draft and trying to run with the leaders just to stay in the same lap. Down they come. Baker shows the way. Allison moved over a moment. Petty looking for an opening, and he cannot find one as he hangs back on the bumper. From Texas World Speedway, this is the Motor Racing Network. In the Alamo 500, Benny Parsons' car slowed dramatically a moment ago on the backstretch, and now he's on pit road. As he was going into turn three, Barney Hall saw it this way. Like a little puff of smoke coming out from under the automobile, uh, some smoke coming from under the car. I couldn't tell if he cut a tire or if he had engine problems, but apparently it's a tire because they're changing him on pit road right now, and he's underway again. Yeah. Benny Parsons' car back in the race, Marvin Pange. That was a real quick stop, 17 seconds, bad break for Benny, but well, something here that was a real break, that caution flag was a break for car number 11, Cale Yarbrough, because he was listed as one lap down prior to the caution, and the leader, as you remember, made a stop not too many laps before the caution came out, uh, scheduled stops, and then uh, evidently Cale did not have to make it under the green, so that puts him right back in the same lap. Buddy Baker staying out in front here. 13 cars have retired from the event, leaving 25 still in competition. And we're better than halfway in the event, showing 133, 266 miles down. Here comes Richard Petty making a move on Buddy Baker, going into turn number one. Down on the inside, it's Richard Petty flanking him on the outside, Baker. And Baker cuts him off in turn number one as they move up on a lapped automobile. Going through on a lapped car. Looked like Henley Gray's automobile on the inside. And that was all Baker needed to close the gate on Richard Petty. But Petty making moves now as if he would like to take over that lead. They lap foot low on the back stretch and go down into turn number three in a real duel. And being pulled along in the draft is Bobby Allison. Here's Allison all the way down to the bottom of the racetrack. And he and Petty are door to door right on the bumper of Buddy Baker as they come into turn three. Now Petty chops off Allison, goes down to the inside as he's gunning for... For Baker, down out of the corner they come. There's no traffic in front. Petty up alongside. He has a fender alongside of Baker as they move to Ukin. 270 miles down, and it is Petty on the inside, Baker on the outside. Down low, it's the STP Dodge, the K&K &K Dodge on the outside, and they are looking at each other side by side on the 22-degree banking of the first turn. Now Petty goes ahead. Richard Petty puts that STP Dodge in front. The K&K &K Dodge drops to second place with Kaylee Averill running several car lengths back in third spot. On the back stretch, Buddy Baker comes up to counterattack. He's down the inside. Buddy Baker up alongside, and he had Petty for just a moment, and Petty finds a little extra power, pulls about a half a car link on it. They're in turn number four. Richard Petty, the STP Dodge, showing the way. Baker now maybe a car link behind as they come off turn four. Bobby Allison riding on the tail end of that three-car draft as they move to turn one. Down across the line, lead automobile continues to be Petty. He's leading by only three-car lengths as they scramble into turn number one. Petty 
trying to maintain that lead as again they're overlapping automobiles. Richard Petty stays in front, goes down to the backstretch, puts a lap on Charlie Roberts of Anniston, Alabama, with now Buddy Baker and Bobby Allison doing the same. Midway down the backstretch, here comes the power of the K&K &K Dodge as Baker bams the button all the way down and pulls up on Petty. Buddy Baker pushes it again, and this time he's about two car lengths back as Petty is trying to pull away. Richard moves into the number four corner, and these Texas race fans have been jumping up and down on the grandstand, and Richard almost got the wall coming out of turn four. A little bit high for Petty. Baker still two car lengths back as they move to turn one. They lap Tony Bettenhausen Jr. as they cross the line to complete 137 laps. Average speed at 148.50 miles per hour here. Marvin? Uh, third place car, Cale Yarbrough, only nine seconds behind the leaders. Cale hanging right in there in the Chevrolet this afternoon. And Bobby Allison getting himself a lap down, trying to make it up. Baker trying to make up first place once again as they hit turn three. Baker found a hole that time. He's to the bottom of the racetrack as Petty goes a little bit high. They're door to door. Whoop! Richard squeezes back around, and Baker finds himself in second place again. Baker had it up there and was almost around, but Petty just shut the door on him as they moved to you, Ken Squire. With 138 laps complete, here comes that 130-lap rundown. It goes like this. Baker was leading. Petty was in second, running in third at 130 laps, 260 miles. was reported Darrell Waltrip. Then in fourth was car number 11, Cale Yarborough. In fifth was Bobby Allison. In sixth, this was in that caution period that brought the speed down to 140.372. Then in sixth was Joe Frasson. In seventh was Cecil Gordon, running in eighth was David Sisko with the ninth spot, J.D. McDuffie. Elmo Langley's car, the 13th automobile to retire from the race, and he brought out the third caution of the event this afternoon. That battle up in front is keeping this crowd on their feet as Richard Petty leads again by one car length and pulling up, going down the inside as Baker in the first turn. Baker finding plenty of room on the inside to pull up, and he nails Richard Petty. Puts Petty back to second position gets him and Petty comes back on the inside of Baker going out of turn number two here comes Petty right back up on the inside of Buddy Baker in a tremendous duel Barney Hall no better racing in the world and we're seeing here this afternoon as we said a moment ago these Texas fans are really enjoying this competition Richard Petty still door to door now Baker pushes the button and moves about a half a car length up on Petty Baker leads away into turn number four. Petty now is on the tail end of Baker. Stuck the bumpers together as they come off that number four corner. Baker shows the way. Looks like it's going to stay this way for 500 miles this afternoon in the Alamo 500 from Texas World Speedway. This is the Motor Racing Network. At Texas World Speedway, Bobby Allison has just blown an engine in the first turn. Allison has erupted the engine of the Coke machine and he's coasting down the backstretch. The fourth caution period of the day is now being dropped on the field. Yellow flag is out for the fourth time this afternoon and as they come to the line it is Baker in front, Petty in second and Kaylee Arborough gets an opportunity to move up again along with Darrell Waltrip. Something else we just missed right before the engine unhinged on Allison. Petty and Baker were side by side. They got sandwiched by a slow car, and they both rubbed wheels. You could see smoke coming off the cars as they came down in front of us. Here's Allison's car limping down onto pit road. Bobby Allison having blown an engine as he went into turn number one is coming down by Barney Hall now in turn four as he's coasted around the track. 
Bobby Allison has had about the worst luck this season he's had in his entire racing career. He's been in about every Grand National race. He just can't seem to get that Coke machine going. It's competitive while it's in there, but he's had all kinds of problems. And looks like he may be putting it behind the wall for the day. Let's watch. He's turning in, heading for the garage in the Coke machine. Let's go back to you, Ken. After six tremendous super speedway victories last year, things just not going right for him this year. I asked Bobby yesterday about this lean year he's having and what he was looking forward to this afternoon. Fattening up a little. But he didn't get a chance to fatten up on this one. The car is broke. He's out of the race. And here come the two leaders in. Here's Buddy Baker and Richard Petty, former teammates, both in one on one side of the road that leads into the garage and one just on the other. Kaylee Yarborough pulls in in car number 11. Henley Gray switch drivers and we have Dick May now driving in that car number 19. Dick May is now driving for Henley Gray as heat begins to take its toll. The heat really sweltering. I think we've mentioned it's up between 125, 130 degrees in these late model stock cars that are racing at College Station, Texas on the two mile Texas World Speedway this afternoon. Uh, this would happen under the caution, so it wasn't costly for Buddy Baker, but if this would have happened under the green, it would have been. As all the cars were making pit stops, uh, naturally, they made the same pit stop. Buddy got ready to leave the pits. A tire from another car rolled over in front of Buddy's car, and he was unable to pull out, so they took precious time to go, had to remove that tire from somebody else's car, so he bet Buddy wouldn't run over it. Like I said, it was on the caution. It doesn't cost much, but uh, it might make a uh, difference of a position or two with Richard on the racetrack when they restart. Luck seems to be riding with Buddy Baker these days. He certainly had time when it did not. Luck was with him at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Remember there, he blew a tire, and yet he came back to win for the third time the World 600 this past Memorial Day weekend. We asked him about that incident at Charlotte. When the tire went, you always feel as it, it's not your day, but... Had that tire blown anywhere else on the speedway, it would have been a lengthy-type uh, occurrence. But as it happened, I, I blew it going in number three corner and slid to the entrance of pit road and right on down pit road as a normal pit stop. So when it's your day, you can't do wrong. If it's not your day, it don't make any difference what you do. You just lose. That was his day. The next week at Dover, he finished seventh, several laps behind the leaders and the eventual winners of that tremendous battle. We asked Baker about what he figured for Riverside, California, where they're going to be racing next Sunday on the Grand National Circuit. Uh, Riverside and road racing really haven't ever been Buddy's sport, although he had a terrific race years ago at Watkins Glen. <laughs> well, Ken, I really don't have anything to say other than I just got to get my best help. And, uh, I have run good on some road courses. Watkins Glen once, I ran second there, and it's supposed to be harder than Riverside, but uh, seems Riverside has a thing with me, about 20 laps, and I'm sitting over on the back stretch with problems. Uh, last year, we, I guess we were in not really a good position. We was in eighth spot, but uh, it's pretty good considering I never ran there before over five, six laps, and uh, we were pretty satisfied. I think uh, Harry understands me a lot more now, and, and maybe I can put it together there. I'm not sure. We'll see if he can put it together there. There being Riverside, California, next Sunday. Marvin Panch. The Junior Johnson car made an extra pit stop here on the caution, and they lifted the hood just for a few seconds, Ken, so we might have to watch that, see maybe there's something happening under there. Baker's, uh, rather, Petty is back in, and they're continuing to switch tires around on his automobile, and here comes Frank Warren as well as Darrell Waltrip, Buddy Arrington, Joe Frisson's car on a pit road. 
while we are in the fourth caution period of the race. The 140-lap rundown had an average speed of 141.992 miles per hour. That was at 280 miles, and as James Hilton came by, he stopped to have a word with Ken Piper. They're down there right now on the start-finish line, and Hilton is saying something to Ken Piper, and we'll get that message momentarily as to what that's all about. Right down here in the start-finish line, we have one car that has come to a stop, James Hilton, and he is back underway. And there's a radio conversation going on now between Pete Keller, the chief starter, and Ken Piper down to the track, which, of course, is connected into the control for NASCAR high atop the tower here at Texas World Speedway. I would say James Hilton seen something on the racetrack, maybe over in the back uh, stretcher in one of the turns that was uh, we couldn't, none of the observers could see, and he just uh, courtesy to let them know, so they'll, I'm sure they'll get it straight now. We'll find out in a minute what it was. The rundown on 140 laps, we are showing 145 complete on the board at 140 laps or 10 positions, 280 miles. It was Baker leading with Petty second, and then was showing a lap down in third spot, Bobby Allison with fourth spot, car number 95, Darrell Waltrip. In the fifth position was car number 11, Kaylee Arborough. In the sixth position, two laps down, Joe Frisson. In seventh was Cecil Gordon. In the eighth position, Benny Parsons. And they were all running in the same lap together. Then in the ninth position, four laps back, came car number 54, which was driven by Lenny Pond. The tenth position was David Sisko, and eleventh was J.D. McDuffie. McDuffie, who used to drive that Buick automobile, having a very good ride of this Mercury car this year. Average speed at 141.992 miles per hour. And the laps covered now show 146 complete here at the Texas World Speedway. Brings our mileage factor a little closer to uh, 300 today. We've completed at this point 292 miles this afternoon. A nice leisurely day with no air conditioning in these cars. Just a nice easy stroll at 180 miles an hour in the straightaway with temperatures about 125 to 130 degrees inside of these racing cars. Car number 30, which is Walter Ballard, former Grand National Rookie of the Year, is on pit road, and he's been there for an extended period of time now. Let's go to the pits with Jerry Smith. We were starting to say a moment ago, uh, as a matter of fact, Marv brought the point out here, when the pit stops came through the last time, there was a hood lift on Cale Yarbrough's car, but they didn't take a long time to look. They just merely peeked two guys, looked, nodded each, each other, and closed the hood back up again. As Marv said, that might be something to look for. Also in the 71 pit, we had a little uh, problem when uh, Buddy was leaving and ran over that tire. He also hit a gas can, which knocked it up in the air, and part of the gas and splashing down did splash into the eyes of one of the pit crewmen from, for Harry Hyde in car number 71, but it has been washed out, and he's quite all right now. Back to the tower in Kent. Fourth caution period. Here's a word from Marvin. The conversation between uh, Kenny Piper and James Hilton was he just wanted to know what time lunch was. <laughs> we have 147 laps complete with car number 71 Buddy Baker leading Richard Petty in second and the board now shows number 95 Darrell Waltrip going to third I don't see any way Waltrip can miss on being rookie of the year unless Lenny Pond has just a fantastic second half of the season he's really got to have some dramatic finishes because Darrell's been qualifying well and finishing well well, that's true, but uh, turnabout face can happen at any time. Lenny Pond's a real fine driver. He's trying real hard. He has good equipment. He just had a bunch of bad things go wrong for him the first half of the season. Maybe things will just turn about face. You never know. 
We'll have to wait for the last race of the year to decide who it's going to be, and that'll be right here in Texas come November. Benny Parsons is on pit road. Parsons, car number 72, is on pit road, and they are under the hood on that automobile. It looks like they're cleaning off the front of the radiator, uh, maybe paper or something in front. They're working on the right front corner. Could be something in the oil cooler department. And boy, that paper business, litter bugs take note. Uh, Richard Childress, this boy who worked so hard, we're just about ready for a start from Winston-Salem, North Carolina, lost an engine. What does it run? $3,500 an engine because some people unwittingly let some hot dog wrappers go, and they got wrapped up in his radiator system and, and cost him an engine at Dover, Delaware last week. This could be costly for Benny Parsons. They're getting a uh, green this time around. He might get caught in the pits. Benny Parsons is currently running eighth in the race. Here comes that Pontiac safety car pulling down on the pit road. And once again, Pete Keller has the green flag out on the field. Parsons is being waved off, but he is going to be losing a lap here as the field comes whirling down by with Baker in front, Petty in second. Kelly Arbro trying to move back up into this thing. 149 laps complete with car number 71 maintaining the lead buddy baker of charlotte north carolina in the k and k dodge here comes richard petty right out to challenge him for first position as they move down the back stretch it's still car number 71 baker dominating the alamo 500 but petty is putting the move on as they hit turn three they're back to business as usual in turn number three with petty putting the chase on baker the two dodges sweep into the number three corner here's petty now on the inside Richard up alongside. He's got a fender just inside Buddy Baker. Baker really standing on it. They're bumper to bumper off that number four corner as they move to you, Ken Squire. Door to door and side by side. It's Petty on the inside and car number 71 on the outside. They go down into the first turn, still side by side. Nobody gives an inch. Even all the way around, all four corners of both cars locked up here in a tremendous war. Petty pulls in front by two feet. Baker is back on the outside in a dramatic race on the back stretch. Buddy Baker goes in front by six feet. Richard Petty comes right back on the inside in door handle to door handle racing. Richard Petty has moved up into the lead. Whoops, Baker gets it right back. They're just seesawing back and forth about a four-foot separation each time they take the lead. Neither car can pull away, and the fans are on their feet. A dead heat off turn number four as they cross that start-finish line. Just inches apart at 180 miles per hour, Richard Petty and Buddy Baker slug it out from Texas World Speedway. This is the Motor Racing Network. The battle up in front remains a tremendous duel between former teammates Buddy Baker and Richard Petty. Here they come out of turn number four with Baker in command by about one car length. The third place car is Darrell Waltrip of Nashville, Tennessee. First and second place separated by only four car lengths. There's the third place car, Darrell Waltrip. He's a couple of laps back, but he's running only about 12, call it 20 car lengths. This is Jerry Smith in pit row. I've got Bobby Allison here. Bobby, you were running awfully strong out there today, but uh, it gave up on you. Well, we were running better than we have about all year long, except maybe for Darlington. Uh, it seemed like we had a pretty good combination together, but we were running a little bit on the warm side, and uh, I knew I was punishing the engine, but uh, I felt like the car was running good enough that uh, we needed to run hard for our sponsors, especially for Coca-Cola. And, uh, you know, they've been good to us, and they've uh, stuck by us when we are winning and when we are losing and everything. And uh, both Coca-Cola and Sears have been real good to us, and I felt like it. I just had to run the car hard, and uh, 
I knew we were risking uh, pushing the engine past the limit on account of the heat today. You know, it's hot out on the racetrack, but uh, I guess that's what happened. And that's one of those things. That's racing. You had a problem with the rear grease deal early, Bobby. Did that ultimately cause any problems later on? Well, actually, that did not. Uh, we were fortunate. We got in on a, a caution and got it fixed. But shortly afterwards, we had a tire start to hop it. Must have run over something and cut a chunk out of it or something. And uh, it started to vibrate, and I had to come in and get new tires on. And that uh, put me about, it, you know, actually a lap down, but a chance of making it up with a caution. And then, of course, the caution came out at the wrong time. It put me a lap down, but I could outrun everybody but Richard and Kale anyway. So I got back to third, and, uh, you know, I was pretty happy with that. But like I say, it didn't make it. Thanks very much. Let's go back to the tower with Ken. Off the turn, turn four, that is, with 155 laps complete. The lead automobile laps running down here this afternoon. It is Baker in front, Petty in second, and the duel continues up in front, which has been so thrilling all afternoon. The laps running down. We're into the last 100 laps of the race in this beautiful two-mile racing facility at College Station, Texas. And the latest rundown for 150 laps is in. Here's how the breakdown goes. The average speed, 137.615 miles per hour. After Bobby Allison blew an engine and brought out the fourth caution of the day. Bobby Allison became the 14th driver to retire from the event. The leader, Baker. Second, Petty. Third, a lap down, Darrell Waltrip. Fourth, Kelly Arborough. Fifth, two laps down was Joe Frisson. Six was the car number 24, Cecil Gordon. Seventh was Benny Parsons. Eighth on the field was car number 54, Lenny Pond. Running ninth was car number 70, being driven by J.D. McDuffie, and David Sisko was in tenth. Now, there's a switch of positions there. On the 140-lap rundown, David Sisko had been maintaining ninth, but McDuffie has moved past him and picked up one spot, setting Sisko back to tenth. McDuffie now moving up to ninth. Marvin Panch. J.D. McDuffie's been around for quite a while racing. Remember, he was one of the original starters with the Buick here a few years back, and he stuck with that Buick for a long time before he got with this Mercury, and he'd been doing a good job. Now he has this new Chevrolet, and everything's been going along pretty good for him. From Texas World Speedway, this is the Motor Racing Network. 159 laps moving around a complete 160 laps in the Alamo 500 from Texas World Speedway with car number 71, the K&K Dodge of Buddy Baker in front by only three car lengths over Richard Petty, the four-time Grand National Champion of NASCAR running in the second position. They lap Ray Williams as they complete 160 laps. 320 miles are down, and the average speed at 137.61 miles per hour is also down a bit. We show an engine looking like it may be coming apart up in one and two, or it could be something rubbing on Ray Williams' car number 47 as it was going through the first and second turn. A little blaze of smoke following along behind it, but going down the back stretch, it doesn't look like it's having any problems. Let's see what happens when he comes in. Baker seems to be pulling away from Petty. Here they come, Baker and Petty out of turn number four, completing their 164th, and all of a sudden, Petty's back. As they lap Frank Warren going into the first turn, Richard Petty is back there, ready to go into some serious contention for the lead. 14 of the 38 starters 
have retired from the race. We're over 300 miles, better than half of the field still out here in competition this afternoon. Raymond Williams was showing a quite a bit of smoke when he came by here. Also, while well, he's going through the turn, looks like he's coming out from under, underneath the car, looks like from right under the center of the back. Benny Parsons' car stays very much on the racetrack, trying to improve his position. He's running in seventh going by us right now. Richard Petty, top money winner at Texas World Speedway, has won $33,885 here. Two wins and four starts. Baker is second in money here. He has $21,350 earned at Texas World Speedway, and he has one win in three starts at Texas World. A car that's doing uh, real well out here today and who really deserves a break, a real fine driver, though Tony Bettenhausen, you know, he's had a problem with this little Vita Fresh uh, car, and he's been uh, trying race after race. He's missed a lot of races, and he's doing right well here today. He's still in there running. The car looks good, so let's hope he continues just like he's doing. Lenny Pond will become the 15th retiree from the race. Car number 54, Pond, is going behind the wall, and Lenny is out of it. Lenny was riding in eighth position. Here's Benny Parsons pitting. Ray Williams' car, which had been smoldering some around the racetrack, is now on pit road, and we can see the hood up on it, the car yawning a little down there as they do some work on that one. Car number 72, Benny Parsons, is taking on right side rubber. This move by 54 to the garage area does not affect Penny Parsons at all. Benny was running just in front of Lenny Pond's automobile. Some of these cars retire late in the going. It can help these runners who are out here very, very much trying to make some ground in that Winston Series point battle. Right now, the cars running just in front of Parsons are Baker, Petty, Waltrip, Cale Yarborough, Joe Frisson, and Cecil Gordon. Ken Squire, Barney Hall, and Richard Petty has suddenly decided to put the pressure on Buddy Baker again. He almost got around him up in the number four corner. He's less than a half a car length back as they move into turn one. As they move through that first turn, here comes Petty right back on the outside, having to counter this tremendous charge of Buddy Baker, and Baker seems to be getting some daylight once again over Richard Petty. Lapping cars going down the backstretch, and as they move by, cars number 05, David Sisko, and H.B. Bailey's Pontiac automobile, Petty pulls up going into the third turn to make an attack. These two cars are just about as equal as you can get them because Richard can get up alongside. Baker seems to be able to just pull him a little bit coming off the corners. Betty is locked on Baker's bumper. They'll be running up on Benny Parsons as they move down the straightaway. Richard looking for a hole to get around. He just cannot find one. Whoop, there he goes to the outside in turn one. It's tight running going into turn number one. They're up on a lapped automobile, which is well up on the track. They've got to find their way through. It's Benny Parsons. He pulls down to let them by. Benny is running several laps behind those two leaders and not running quite as quickly as they are. The Benny Parsons pit stop, by the way, was 17 seconds. They really got that car in and out. Benny Parsons, he's really putting together it. He has these Bars brothers that were with Petty for so many years working for him here, and they've done everything they can to try to keep him in contention. He's been having some very good finishes of recent uh, up in the top five in NASCAR Grand National Competition. This could be another one of those days for him as he tries to get up and win the national championship. Here comes Petty back on the inside of Baker as they cross the line to complete 166 laps. 166 complete of 250 and down on the first and second turn petty still riding in the draft of car number 71 buddy baker's automobile 
off the second turn, down the backstretch. Here comes Richard Petty pulling up on the inside. Petty is making his move to go by as they hit the third turn. Petty makes a move to the outside this time. He's been trying to get around on the inside. He's high in the number three corner. Baker has about a half a car length on him as they move for turn four. Petty, there's no hole to the outside. Here he comes to the inside. Down to the inside, they come out of turn number four. He cannot get him, so he pulls right up on the bumper and just literally pushes him down the straightaway. This track is so wide, they've got plenty of room to run either way. Once again, Petty goes up to the outside. He may get a better draft between Baker's automobile and the concrete retaining wall here at the Texas World Speedway. Out of turn number two, Petty pulls up. Riding the bumper of Buddy Baker's car. The third-place automobile is Darrell Waltrip. Fourth-place is Carol Yarborough, and fifth is Joe Frisson, but the battle that is keeping this crowd entranced is the one for the front running position. Baker and Petty really going at it. Two North Carolinians and two of the finest race drivers in the world are proving it to some 35,000 racing fans who have gathered at this two-mile racing facility at College Station, Texas this afternoon. Here's Petty back on the inside, and it must be a game of psych at this time, Marvin Pants, between these two. It sure is. A few laps ago when Petty uh, drafted by Buddy here at the finish line. He knows now. He learned something. He uh, knows just how he can pass Buddy at the finish. And I wonder what... Uh-oh, there they are, side by side. Here comes Petty out for the lead. Richard Petty down the inside. Baker trying to fend him off, trying to find a lap car. He's got it in Ramos Stott as they go down the back stretch. And by pressing Petty up against the slower car, he once again takes the lead. That's a very neat move, and it's a standard procedure among these stock car drivers the car trying to pass on the inside if he gets locked up on a slower car it's either hit the brakes or drop kick the slower automobile and Petty had to back off for a moment but he's right back on Baker as they come down across the line side by side 169 of 250 laps complete and here's Petty again down low on the racetrack up high is Baker and they're side by side through one and two a dramatic race Petty goes all the way down to the bottom of the racetrack, and usually it's very slippery there by the halfway mark, but he found the bite. He's in front. Baker comes back in front of the backstretch as they move to turn three. Can look from one windshield to the other and see directly across the both as they move down that back straightaway. Petty seems to have the power to get up alongside Baker in the corners, and when they hit the straightaways, Baker just inches around him again. And Baker has put about a half a car length out front again of Petty as they come off turn four. Here's Richard really pushing him in down to the number one corner, Ken. They are so close that if one had any kind of an engine trouble, you could write off both automobiles at 180 miles per hour. The battle continues. Meanwhile, the 160-lap, 320-mile rundown comes in with a speed at 139.130, reduced by four caution flags thus far in the race. On this two-mile track, it is... Baker leading by a car length over Richard Petty with third spot. Darrell Waltrip a lap down, and in that same lap with him, the Chevrolet of Kaylee Arborough. Running in fifth, two laps down is Joe Frisson. In sixth now is Cecil Gordon. He's moved up one spot and moved Benny Parsons. A correction on that, he's maintaining sixth spot. Then in seventh is Benny Parsons. Going to eighth position is the car number 70. The number 70 automobile is J.D. McDuffie. And ninth position to David Sisko. Two cars moving up because of the blown engine on Lenny Pond's car, which retired him from the race. Lenny Pond becoming the 15th victim of the Alamo 500 this afternoon. 172 laps down, and here comes car number 08 on a pit road, Bob Whitlow of Orchard Lake, Michigan. Right behind him comes David Sisko's car, which is currently running in the ninth position. Moving toward the 175 lap mark of this race. Marvin, do you want to make any predictions on who's going to win it? 
I would say it's uh, I wouldn't want to predict uh, either one of those two cars are there both together at the finish Petty now knows where to set up the draft from and if he happens to be in second place down the back stretch but he's going to have to do some real tall thinking to keep him from passing uh, over the finish line. So uh, it's going to be awful close. You can't predict on either one of these cars. They're working the 174th lap. 175 will bring them to 350 miles from Texas World Speedway. This is the Motor Racing Network. Again, with 175 laps complete, the leaders are side by side. It's Richard Petty on the inside, Buddy Baker on the outside. They're door to door all the way around the speedway. Baker goes back in front. Now Petty pulls in front out of turn number two. Baker comes back on the outside. He pulls up alongside, and he goes in front by maybe five, six feet. Petty ready to challenge in turn three. Kansas looks like a drag race in the straightaways. One car will be up there for a moment, then the other car, and that's exactly the way they are in turn number three right now. As Baker gets back out on the point, here's Richard diving down to the inside. There's no hold, so he chops back on the bumper of Baker. He is just literally pushing him down the straightaways and dropping to the inside of the corners. It's just a sensational race. Up in front, Baker, Petty in second. The third place automobile is the young rookie sensation, Darrell Waltrip. He is showing one lap back, but is making the best run of his young career at the present time. On the backstretch, it is Petty down the inside and by Baker. Baker pulls back by on the outside, and again, Barney Hall. It's just an old-fashioned short track race. They're just peeling numbers off the door. They're getting so close to the corners and the straightaways. And again, Baker gets back around Petty. Petty let him down the back straightaway. And as they went into the number three corner, Baker again puts that dodge back out front. They're running up on some lapped automobiles. Let's see if Richard can take advantage and maybe squeeze Buddy over. But Baker's not having any of that. As they move across the start-finish line, Baker continues to lead the Alamo 500. He is just lapping Dean Dalton as they go into the first turn. The backstretch war here at the Texas World Speedway has Buddy Baker just barely in front of Richard Petty. They inch along through that turn, running it better than... 167, 168 miles per hour. They come out of turn four, and they look like they're going 35 or 40 miles an hour down the freeway, just bumper to bumper. In fact, the police officer would pull them over for riding too close to each other's bumpers. This is Jerry Smith along Pitt Row. I've got no, another of the cars that retired a little earlier, Lenny Pond of Petersburg, Virginia. Lenny, what happened out there? Well, some turned loose in the engine. It started knocking everything, and I figured it'd be better to bring it in before it come apart. How do you like this racetrack? I like the racetrack a whole lot, and I'm looking forward to coming back. Very good. Let's go back to the tower in Ken Square. Again, Baker's on the inside in the third turn. Petty moves down lower, and he makes you over the lead. This way, make Baker wonder, because Petty will be on the outside one lap. He'll be on the inside the next lap. He's up alongside, and the crowd comes up on their feet for about the umpteenth time, and it's a dead heat at the start-finish line again. Baker got him by just about six inches as they can, or rather Petty by about six inches as they came to the line, Barney. He just barely put it in front, but it looked cl as close as it could possibly be without touching metal the last time by. Marvin? I know what Richard Petty is thinking. You know, uh, Richard is, uh, gave uh, Buddy his first first-class ride, you know, when Buddy was coming up just a few years ago. So evidently he taught him right because Buddy is sure putting it, uh, running with him there today. Barney Hall at the third turn. Uh, you know, they had the same kind of situation here last year, Ken, when Baker won this race over Point. 
and everybody thought A.J. might box Baker out, being quite the veteran that he is, but Baker came away with a victory. It's going to be very, very interesting here to see how this race finishes if they go down to the wire like they're running right now. Let's go back to the tower. 180 laps, 360 of 500 miles are complete. 180 complete with Baker still in front, but he can't in any way think he's pulled this one out of the fire as Richard Petty stays right there and runs with him all the way around the track. All the pressure in the world on these two drivers to win today here at Texas World Speedway as the eyes of the racing world are focused upon NASCAR Grand National this weekend. And here is Buddy Baker in front by four car lengths. Actually, the biggest story in the past week it has been in every paper in the country was the story of Richard Petty's mustache. You know, he shaved his mustache off. And uh, we asked him about that. You know, the STP company had gone through their whole advertising campaign, redone all their posters and all their magazine ads, showing Richard Petty not with the, the old clean-shaven look, but with his neat Fu Manchu mustache. Now, all of a sudden, it's changed. Well, I can't see where it uh, really made a whole lot of difference one way or the other. Like I told them, there wasn't that many rich people knew Richard Petty with a mustache or without a mustache. And, and the racing people uh, generally knew that I, when I shaved and when I didn't, and uh, I couldn't see where it really made that much difference. But I think they got caught with a couple of three commercials with me with mustaches, and they didn't want to do them again. And then they got caught, to begin with, they got caught with a couple of three that I didn't have a mustache. So uh, I guess it'll probably even itself out. I heard you got caught with a slider from your wife about the mustache. Well, a little bit. I was sitting on the back porch trying to get in the house to get something to eat, and... Uh, see the baby and she said if I'd shave I could come in so I finally had to shave. So you see it happens even to grand national champions like Richard Petty the first man to own over a million dollars in stock car racing couldn't get in to get his vittles till he got his act together with a mustache. <laughs> I tell you it looks a whole lot better now Ken uh, than with a mustache I have to admit Richard is really looks that clean cut American boy again like he used to do before he grew that mustache. You didn't like him as Charlie Chan? Added a lot of intrigue to the Grand National, I'll tell you. From Texas World Speedway, this is the Motor Racing Network. Again, with 175 laps complete, the leaders are side by side. It's Richard Petty on the inside, Buddy Baker on the outside. They're door to door all the way around the speedway. Baker goes back in front. Now Petty pulls in front out of turn number two. Baker comes back on the outside. He pulls up alongside, and he goes in front by maybe five, six feet. Petty ready to challenge in turn three. Kansas looks like a drag race in the straightaways. One car will be up there for a moment, then the other car, and that's exactly the way they are in turn number three right now. As Baker gets back out on the point, here's Richard diving down to the inside. There's no hold, so he chops back on the bumper of Baker. He is just literally pushing him down the straightaways and dropping to the inside of the corners. It's just a sensational race. Up in front, Baker, Petty in second. The third place automobile is the young rookie sensation, Darrell Waltrip. He is showing one lap back, but is making the best run of his young career at the present time. On the backstretch, it is Petty down the inside and by Baker. Baker pulls back by on the outside. And again, Barney Hall, it's just an old-fashioned short track race. They're just peeling numbers off the door. They're getting so close to the corners and the straightaways. And again, Baker gets back around Petty. Petty let him down the back straightaway. And as they went into the number three corner, 
Baker again puts that Dodge back out front. They're running up on some lapped automobiles. Let's see if Richard can take advantage and maybe squeeze Buddy over, but Baker's not having any of that. As they move across the start-finish line, Baker continues to lead the Alamo 500. He is just lapping Dean Dalton as they go into the first turn. The backstretch war here at the Texas World Speedway has Buddy Baker just barely in front of Richard Petty. They inch along through that turn, running it better than 100 67 168 miles per hour they come out of turn four and they look like they're going 35 or 40 miles an hour down the freeway just bumper to bumper in fact the police officer would pull them over for riding too close to each other's bumper this is jerry smith along pit row i've got no, another of the cars that retired a little earlier lenny pond of petersburg virginia lenny what happened out there well something turned loose in the engine it started knocking everything and i figured it'd be better to bring it in before it come apart how do you like this racetrack? I like the racetrack a whole lot, and I'm looking forward to coming back. Very good. Let's go back to the tower in Ken Squire. Again, Baker's on the inside in the third turn. Petty moves down lower, and he may throw for the lead. This way, make Baker wonder, because Petty will be on the outside one lap. He'll be on the inside the next lap. He's up alongside of the crowd, comes up on their feet for about the umpteenth time, and it's a thin heat at the start-finish line again. Baker got him by just about six inches as they came, rather petty by about six inches as they came to the line, Barney. He just barely put it in front, but it looked as close as it could possibly be without touching metal the last time by. Marvin? I know what Richard Petty is thinking. You know, uh, Richard has uh, gave uh, Buddy his first first-class ride, you know, when Buddy was coming up just a few years ago. So evidently he taught him right because Buddy is sure putting it, uh, running with him there today. Barney Hall at the third turn. Uh, you know, they had the same kind of situation here last year, Ken, when Baker won this race over Foyt. And everybody thought A.J. might box Baker out, being quite the veteran that he is. But Baker came away with a victory. It's going to be very, very interesting here to see how this race finishes if they go down to the wire like they're running right now. Let's go back to the tower. 180 laps, 360 of 500 miles are complete. 180 complete with Baker still in front. But he can't in any way think he's pulled this one out of the fire as Richard Petty stays right there and runs with him all the way around the track. All the pressure in the world on these two drivers to win today here at Texas World Speedway as the eyes of the racing world are focused upon NASCAR Grand National this weekend. And here is Buddy Baker in front by four car lengths. Actually, the biggest story in the past week that's been in every paper in the country was the story of Richard Petty's mustache. You know, he shaved his mustache off. And uh, we asked him about that. You know, the STP company had gone through their whole advertising campaign, redone all their posters and all their magazine ads, showing Richard Petty not with the, the old clean-shaven look, but with his neat Fu Manchu mustache. Now, all of a sudden, it's changed. Well, I can't see where it uh, really made a whole lot of difference one way or the other. Like I told them, there wasn't that many rich people who knew Richard Petty with a mustache or without a mustache. And, and the racing people uh, generally knew that I, when I shaved and when I didn't. And uh, I couldn't see where it really made that much difference. But I think I got caught with a couple of three commercials with me with mustaches. And they didn't want to do them again. And then they got caught. To begin with, they got caught with a couple of three that I didn't have a mustache. So uh, I guess it'll probably even itself out. I heard you got caught with a slider from your wife about the mustache. Well, a little bit. I was sitting on the back porch trying to get in the house to get something to eat. And... Uh, the baby and she said if I'd shave I could come in so I finally had to shave. <laughs>
So you see, it happens even to grand national champions like Richard Petty, the first man and owner of a million dollars in stock car racing, couldn't get in to get his vittles till he got his act together with a mustache. <laughs> I tell you, it looks a whole lot better now, Ken, uh, than with a mustache, I have to admit. Richard is really looks that clean-cut American boy again, like he used to do before he grew that mustache. You didn't like him as Charlie Chan? Added a lot of intrigue to the Grand National, I'll tell you. From Texas World Speedway, this is the Motor Racing Network. The Alamo 500 at Texas World Speedway is now in its 184th lap, moving toward conclusion in what could be another dramatic finish like the one in which Buddy Baker defeated A.J. Foyt by a foot and a half at the finish line. This time, it's between Baker and his old adversary and former teammate, Richard Petty. The K&K &K Dodge of Baker is in front by one car length over the STP Dodge. And let's make note here that with still a lot of mileage left in this race, the third place automobile is rookie Darrell Waltrip. This has to be one of the best finishes ever for a rookie in a major 500 mile event. And the race is far from over. Should mechanical difficulties come up for any of our leaders this afternoon, we're really going to have some kind of a situation. Waltrip in the terminal transport car is currently running in the third position. But the interest is not in third. It's focused entirely on this great battle between these two fine champions, Richard Petty and Buddy Baker. Baker, the six foot four giant from Charlotte, North Carolina, maintains a whisker of a lead over the now mustacheless Richard Petty as they come by. The last lap at 166 and a half miles per hour as Baker and Petty continue to try and set each other up. 38 cars started the race, and as of the 186 lap, we still had a total of 23 cars still in competition. Now the 180 lap, 360 mile rundown is posted with an average speed of 140.464 miles per hour. And official notice of two more cars retiring from the race. The 16th car, we already gave you, that's the 15th car then. And the 16th car, one more to add to the list, is Ray Williams. Ray Williams losing oil pressure on car number 47, and his car is out. The standings at 180 laps, 360 miles. Baker first and Petty second, both driving Dodge automobiles. Third, the rookie, Darrell Waltrip in a Mercury automobile, the J.C. Elder prepared car. Fourth is car number 11, being driven by Cale Yarborough, a Chevrolet. So it's Dodge first and second, Mercury third, Chevrolet fourth. Running in fifth, two laps down is Joe Frisson. Running in sixth is car number 24, being driven this afternoon by Cecil Gordon. Seventh is Benny Parsons. In eighth, five laps down, J.D. McDuffie's car number 70 with ninth position, Nashville, Tennessee's David Sisko. And in the 10th position, six laps down, car number nine, Keokuk, Iowa's Ramo Stott. Those are the standings, but the 35,000 here are galvanized by the action created between cars number 71 and car number 43. Probably 43, the best known racing number there is, the Petty number. Dick Brooks, back when he was running for a rookie in 1969, had two or three finishes up in third spot. We're trying to recollect here if there's ever been a better finish than that by a rookie in grand national competition. And right now, Darrell Waltrip running third in a great position to really make his mark for rookie of the year. Ken, your leaders will be pitting on the next lap. 
So we'll stand by for pit stops this time around, and we'll be switching right down to Jerry Smith, focusing on the action in just a moment. Jerry is just to the right of where the K&K crew is. They're almost directly in front of him now as Jerry moves into position. Harry Hyde is standing out on pit road. The lead car will be coming in, and right behind him will come Richard Petty. So watch for the leaders to pit this time. First and second place automobiles have been told to come in. Let's see if they both come in at once. No. Baker is up high. He's going to stay out there, but Petty is coming in. The second place automobile. Richard Petty is coming out of pit road in car number 43. Petty idles along down pit road. He pulls up into his spot. What is idling is probably 75 or 80 miles per hour to him as he pulls down that pit road, but some different from the 170 mile per hour mark made here in this dogleg coming by the start finish line created by Buddy Baker. The right side tires are being changed on the STP Dodge of, of Petty, and it's a terrifically quick stop. Again, they changed two tires faster than they could put 20 gallons of gas in the automobile. Go for zone pits. 19 and 800 seconds on that pit stop. 19.8. Here's Joe Frisson's car coming in, the fifth place competitor. And let's see if Baker comes in this lap. That's just what's happening. Here's Buddy Baker pulling down a pit road. And let's go down to Jerry Smith. It's a joy to watch these trained pit crews as they go through what uh, is almost a no effort effort as they go through their motions to get these cars with two tires changed on the outside and the gasoline two big cans of gasoline dumped in, the windshield wash. Harry Hyde, incidentally, was very upset because Buddy did not pit on the last lap, shook the pit board at him, and that's why he's here this time, quite obviously. But there he goes. I didn't get a time on it, but you can get upstairs. Richard Petty coming out of the fourth turn. Here's Buddy Baker scooting onto the track. The race will be down in turn number one as Baker comes up to full power. Petty goes down by him. Petty going up on the outside, and those two Dodgers will be getting together again. 18.8, but then uh, after he took off, the car spit just a second, and it cost him just a little. And Petty has the lead. Petty is leading by 15, 20, 25, 35 car lengths. Going down the back stretches, Baker finally gets to speed. We'll check the interval when they come by this time, having completed 193 laps. That'll bring their mileage really up there this time they will be at 386 miles approaching the 400 mile mark of the race in this 500 mile battle here they come down out of turn number four richard petty in the lead car number 71 baker is in second and checking the interval it looks like two two and 95 one hundredths of a second the difference between first and second spot and we'll check it this time around to see if baker can move up at all on richard petty Petty in front, Baker in second, Waltrip third, Kaylee Arborough fourth, Joe Frisson fifth, Cecil Gordon is sixth, and Benny Parsons is running in seventh position. The leaders, uh, uh, bar any problem, leaders are both going to have to make another pit stop for at least fuel can. So with at least one more pit stop to reckon with here, which should come, what, in about 40, 50 laps? Just about 40, 45 laps. We should see them back in once again. There go those leaders by, and we'll be whipping off that interval for you momentarily. And Richard Petty, Petty is showing a little smoke, Ken, coming down the front straightaway, going into turn one. Just a trace of smoke on the front straightaway as he was up against the wall. Roger, I think he picked up some loose dust on the outside of the speedway. That could be we, because he was very close to the outside he, of the wall. He was so close to the wall, I'm sure he left a little STP marking up there on the concrete going into turn number one. Petty in front. Here comes... 
Baker in second, and we're checking that interval this time around to see if he has made any dent. He being Baker on this lead of Richard Petty. They did not fit in the same lap. First in came Petty, then in came Baker, and Petty is trapped on a slower car. Joe Frisson directly in front of him. Now Frisson pulls over. Here goes Petty by. Let's see what that interval looks like. The interval is one. One and about one and a half seconds. Just about one and one half seconds between first and second. And Baker found himself in slower traffic and couldn't move out. As Petty pulled up on Frisson, Baker climbed up on the back of Cecil Gordon and Benny Parsons' automobile and had to touch the brakes momentarily as they came out of turn number four. 195 laps now complete. We're at 195 laps, 390 miles down. It's the Texas World Speedway where we're watching the Alamo 500 on this beautiful Texan Sunday afternoon. The race rolling right along with H.B. Bailey now pitting. H.B. Bailey's car pulling on a pit road. Jade Thomas's automobile coming by. He's still in the race. Dean Dalton, J.D. McDuffie, and J.D.'s having a great day. He's up in the 10th position. Third place car, Waltrip, did make a pit stop just a few laps ago, and it was around 21 and a half seconds. Let me point out I'm wrong about J.D. McDuffie. He's running in eighth position, which is a good run for J.D. McDuffie today. McDuffie in the eighth position. Those leaders coming by will get interval this time. Between first and second place, there's Petty across the line. Baker lapping Joe Frisson. And the difference as Baker is just steaming around this racetrack is one and four-tenths seconds. He's really climbing up there. Buddy Baker has pulled out all the stops, has everything open but the glove compartment as he goes down the back stretch looking for a way to run up on Richard Petty's automobile. 190 lap rundown, 380 miles coming up. We go to Barney Hall. You know, I was just thinking about the Harry Hyde crew in a couple of years past. They'd had a lot of criticism about some of their slower pit stops. But this year, Harry, of course, won the pit competition up at Rockingham and the Union 76 pit competition up there. They're the world's fastest crew, and they've continued to improve every race. Right now, they can get in and out of the pits with any anybody. And that's been a big difference here today in keeping Baker right up there in the front. Let's go back to the tower. Getting that interval between first and second place now. We'll have it for you momentarily as we get that. Let's report now to you on that 190-lap rundown. Looks like less than a second is separating them. It's nine-tenths of a second between first and second place. We're getting ready There's for another... Caleb Yarbrough coming into the pit. It's on the front straight. We're getting ready for another Donnybrook here as the fourth-place car, Caleb Yarbrough, is pitting. The 190-lap, 380-mile rundown. Baker was then first, Petty second, Waltrip third with Caleb Yarbrough fourth. Waltrip and Yarbrough a lap down. Three laps back in fifth position, Joe Frisson. In sixth position was Cecil Gordon. In seventh position, six laps down, Benny Parsons. In eighth position, J.D. McDuffie. Ninth, seven laps down was David Sisko. In the same lap with him was Ramo Stott. In tenth, in eleventh position, nine laps down, James Hilton. In twelfth position was car number 61, Eddie Streck of San Antonio. Running 13th was Frank Warren, 11 laps down, and 14th was the car number 36, H.B. Bailey, here in the Alamo 500. The battle is on for first place. From nowhere, four seconds down to once again in the lead, it's Buddy Baker in front. He's just gone by Richard Petty, who is in second position, and Petty may have been waiting on him, maybe just setting him up because he knew it would go down to the finish. 
Petty, a very wise race driver who has won more races than anyone else, may be playing right now and using the conservative game towards the end while Baker is rather run flat out to chase him down and catch him and go in front. We'll just have to wait and see what develops from here to the finish. But Marvin, he sure came up in a hurry and went by Richard. It looked like Richard actually backed off on him, but uh, Buddy has been coming very fast. I don't believe Richard has backed off. Rainbow Scott's just making a piss out, but uh, Richard, I'm sure, wants to be in second place down the back stretch on this last lap. Right now, he's pulling up alongside. They're running door to door once again. It's Baker on the outside, Petty on the inside, and turn one and two as they play a game of chess going down out of turn two. Petty has the nose up alongside. He's uh, got it in front now. Baker up on the outside, up against the wall, moves the fender out in front. They're still side by side, midway down the back straight. For those of you listening today, we've been interrupted. Uh, there was a cut in the line between College Station, Texas, and Houston this afternoon. Uh, the, the whole line was cut, and they lost all telephone communications. Apparently, a power shovel dug a little too low and broke off all communication systems in this part of Texas. Hence, that's why we haven't been with you. From Texas World Speedway, this is the Motor Racing Network. 408 miles are by in the Texas World Speedway's Alamo 500. We're in the last 100 miles, and we're having a tremendous race between Buddy Baker and Richard Petty for the front position. We're seeing a young rookie really make his mark on Grand National Competition this afternoon as Darrell Waltrip runs in third, Kelly Alvaro fourth, and Joe Frisson, who has been almost counted down and out several times this year, is doing a beautiful job in fifth position. Darrell Waltrip's had a little engine trouble this week. He lost one engine in practice. This is his backup engine, so he, he deserves what he's getting here today. That crew had to work hard to get him competitive like they are right here today. 142.87 miles per hour, the average speed. The latest report is 16 cars have officially retired from the 38 that started the race. We're in the last 100 miles with 22 automobiles still circulating around this beautiful two-mile oval at College Station, Texas. And repeating once again, an overzealous ditch digger broke the communication lines between College Station, Texas, and the world. It's knocked out all telephone and radio lines in three counties of Texas, hence you're hearing us on delayed broadcast at the present time. When they do things in Texas, can they do it big? Sure do. Three counties all in one shot and knock out the whole Alamo 500 for a while. But here's how it's happened. With 206 laps complete, car number 71, Buddy Baker, has pulled from a five, four-point deficit to lead once again by five car lengths. And the way he overcame Petty, almost would tell you that Petty is setting Baker up for one of those dramatic finishes. Doesn't want to be in front. He wants to win it when the race is over. So he's willing to relinquish the lead right now and play it right down to the final lap, the final turn, and that last run to the checkered flag. Ken, of all the races we've been to and all, we know that they've got a long ways to go yet and anything can happen at any time. But this looks like if these two cars can manage to stay together without one or the other having problems at the finish, it's going to be close. From Texas World Speedway, this is the Motor Racing Network. The Texas World Speedway with another thrilling lap being turned in side by side, exactly even across the line. It's Petty on the inside, Baker on the outside, and they're psyching each other now. There's no question, Marvin. They, even though there's, there's pretty close to 100 miles left, they're working on each other mentally trying to tell the other guy, hey, I've got more than you've got here with this racing car, and I can get you when I want you. And they're both playing the game now. We can only wait to see who has the better hand when it comes down to the checkered flag. 
I would say at this time, both drivers know that one or the other could win the race. They have pulled up. They have tried to intimidate each other at 180 miles per hour every way they know, but these are two professional racers, and they just aren't going to be fooled by anything the other guy can do. They've run together as a team. Here they are now carrying opposing colors, that red with white numeral 71, the beautiful Dodge of Nord Korskoff from Fort Wayne, Indiana, the K&K &K car, and the STP car of Richard Petty are at it hot and heavy here, and I don't think racing fans have ever seen lap after lap, door-to-door -door racing like this in the history of racing in the Southwest. It's just amazing as these two continue to run side by side, first Petty, then Baker. And here they come into turn number three with Baker leading as they move to Barney Hall. Out of turn number four. Down on the inside, it will be Richard Petty pulling back up once again. Here's Richard Petty down on the inside, and he's retaking the lead as they cross the line. Boy, if they were being paid by the lap, every other lap, somebody would have a different $100. Down to turn one and Roger Bear. Petty seems to be able to lead at the start-finish line when he chooses to, coming off that fourth turn. It's obvious that they're both practicing. Maybe Baker's just giving it away to him at this point. Petty fronts Baker, coming off the second turn and on the back straightaway. Petty has retaken the lead after Baker captured it going into turn one. Back to radio control. Down the back stretch. Here's Benny Parsons pitting. Benny Parsons currently running the seventh position, comes down on the pit road. The battle up in front is door handle to door handle once again. It's Petty on the inside, Baker on the outside. They nearly lean on each other in turn number four. They complete 210 laps. That's 420 miles down. Baker just barely in front, Petty in second. And they will be exhausted from 500 miles of racing from the hottest day of racing as far as temperature is concerned on the circuit this year and by the mental strain of concentrating for 500 miles it's like no other sport where you get a chance in between pitches or while the defensive unit is in to get a breather out here right now they've been allowed just four breathers this afternoon when they pulled in the pits for 17 seconds to take on fuel and take on instructions and put the car back on the track it was 22 second pit stop on Benny Parsons. That should be his last pit stop. He should just about be able to make it. Seventh position for Benny Parsons. Here's Charlie Roberts of Anniston, Alabama. And again, those cars are side by side. Baker on the outside, Petty on the inside. And Petty continues to hang down low on the track. He lets Baker pull back in front as they go into turn number one and we're running out of racing room. Roger Bayer. Petty let Baker go by in the first turn. Now they're nose to tail with Petty riding in the draft of Buddy Baker. He's trying a slingshot as they lap Bob Whitlow. Petty tries to drop to the inside, doesn't make it. We'll see if he does anything coming off the fourth turn this time. That's where they've been practicing because when the 250th lap is completed at this racetrack, it doesn't make any difference what you do in the third turn, where you land in the first turn. It's all at the white line at the starter Pete Keller. Down the front straightaway they come. They're lapping car number 61, which is Eddie Streck's automobile from San Antonio, and lapping James Hilden as they move into that first turn. Let's review for you, as we run out of laps here, how some of the NASCAR stock car races went around the country this weekend. At Plattsburgh, New York, Bob Dragon was victorious in NASCAR competition there this weekend. At Richmond, Virginia, Tommy Ellis won the 100-lap sportsman race at Old Dominion. L.D. Ottinger 
drove to victory in the Smoky Mountain Raceway, Maryville, Tennessee's 200-lap national championship. There was rain after 71 laps at Greenville Pickens Speedway in South Carolina, where Sammy Ard, currently number one of the nation, was leading number one in late model sportsman, 1960-69 model cars. At Birmingham, Alabama, Alton Jones, or he is from Birmingham, he traveled up to Nashville, and he beat the Tennesseans on their own track, Darrell Waltrip taking second last night at Fairground Speedway. In Texas, it was Ronnie Chumley winning his fourth of five races at Myers Speedway in Houston competition this year. At Catamount Stadium in Milton, Vermont last night, the Milton 100 was won by the two-time national Canadian champion Jean-Paul Cabana with Ron Barkham's Ford in second, Beaver Dragons, Chevrolet third, and Tom Tiller's Dodge in fourth. Bugsy Stevens won the modified stock car race of NASCAR competition at Stafford Springs, Connecticut in the course of the weekend as well. Those are some of the reports coming into it. Baker us. is slowing down. Baker has slowed. Coming off the fourth turn, he may have cut a tire. The engine's still running. He may have cut a tire down because the left front looks like it's down. Buddy Baker has dropped to the bottom lane in coming off turn number four, going very slow. Buddy That's what Baker. he did. He cut a tire. This is Barney Hall. He did chop a tire on that automobile just coming out of the number four corner and almost got into the wall with it, but he's going to make it to the pit, but this is really going to hurt. He was lucky at Charlotte. Remember, he had a tire go down on him, Barney, up there when you were covering the fourth turn at Charlotte, North Carolina, World 600, but he made pit road, and it gave him the victory finally in that 600-miler. But this afternoon, he is going very slowly down out of turn number two. Here's Petty coming by with a healthy lead now. Marvin Panch. I believe there might be something other than tire. Maybe now he's running awful slow for a flat tire, Ken. Ken Squire, this is Roger Barron, turn number one. The left front tire is completely down on the card and uh, the, the, the could have been some, some suspension damage possibly because it looks almost like the body is dragging on the uh, on the road and even if the tire drops down it should go down that far i don't think but we'll keep an eye on it as he continues around the track he's still moving heading towards turn number three they have radio communications in that car don't they sure they do they usually do, so I imagine they do. Well, let's go to Jerry Smith and see if there's been a report at the Baker Pits. Jerry Smith on Pit Road. Harry Hyde is out there shaking his head only. We have not been able to get up to him to ask the question. He is already on, the, on Pit Road, and it's difficult for us to get out to him. But he is shaking his head. Uh, I think that probably means something serious. Buddy Parrott, the gas man. Buddy Cox, one of the tire men. The jack man, Harry Lee Hyde, all waiting down there. And they look very stoically out there, just waiting as if it was a regular stop while their driver is losing laps here. Going down, coming around for the pit road is... Ken, I don't think he's going to make it in. He's pulled the car off on the grass. I have the glasses on him right now, and he's completely out on the grass, and the car is getting slower and slower, and it's just about to come to a screeching halt right in the middle of turns three and four. Meanwhile, Harry Hyde, the crew chief, has moved out on pit road to take a look. They only allow one man over the wall and only over the concrete wall for NASCAR racing, and he's standing forlornly on pit road, looking up, waiting for the car that is not coming around. The car was leading. Baker was driving in the front position. Let's see what the petty crew is doing. Looks like they're putting something on the board for Richard, and the car has come to rest right down on the bottom lane, in the bottom of turn four, out. and caution, caution is out. Yellow is coming on the speedway for the Baker car, which can't limp around any further. You know that has to be a real heartbreak, Ken. Absolutely. But it's happened to Baker before. We've gone right down to the last 10 laps and had all kinds. And if you remember, it happened here. Remember that tragedy with James Hilton's car when it got drop kicked? He had that race 
in the bag. It was getting dark. We'd rained a couple of times two or three years ago, four years ago now. And here it is again. He had it all set up, and he and Petty were just mentally playing each other all the way around this track, trying to set each other up for the final lap. It's trouble with Baker's car, now in turn four. At the Texas World Speedway, Richard Petty comes in very easily. He's just bringing it on pit row. They're going to change right side rubber under caution. Here comes Cale Yarborough in. This will move Cale up into third position. And you know who comes into second? The freshman, the rookie, Darrell Waltrip. Should Petty have trouble, we're going to have a rookie win the race. If Petty should have any trouble, we've got an old master against a young driver out here now as we move into the final moments of the Alamo 500 at College Station, Texas. From Texas World Speedway, this is the Motor Racing Network. Looking back on 1971 when Petty won the Texas 500 in December, Buddy Baker was second. That's not going to happen this year. And boy, that was a that was another dandy race with the two cars in the same lap on the last lap coming across for a finish. Last year in this event, Petty was the winner with Bobby Allison second. Cuckoo Marlin was third here a year ago. Benny Parsons finished in fourth and finishing fifth here a year back was Bobby Isaac with James Hilton sixth. And Larry Smith went on to become Rookie of the Year uh, finishing in seventh. And right now, the rookie that's looking so strong. Petty's been back in again. Marvin, what was he doing in there? He took on left, uh, left side tires this time. He's not taking any chances at all, Ken. He knows he's got it made if he can only keep it together. 440 miles are down, and let's go back to Jerry Smith on pit road. One of the things he could have been doing on the last stop was to refill his glass of Coke. He took one with him when he went out on the first pit stop, and I think he still had the same cup in his hand when he came in. In any event, one of the funny things uh, they offer drivers, they do offer a lot of things, but Penny's crew always has available an ice pack. I didn't know that until today. Also, Junior Johnson's pit crew. Junior is not in the pits today, and although Cale is not one of the uh, top runners, it could be significant that it doesn't appear that his crew is nearly as fast without his presence. And finally, from the pits, uh, one of the uh, crew members from Bud Moore's crew has come along as a volunteer to help out Darrell Waltrip, who is, as you pointed out, now running in second ten. Buddy Baker's car has just come into the pits, and you could hear in the background the crowd applauding. The 30, 35,000 here, and they're changing left side rubber. And let's keep our eye on that one, Jerry Smith, very, very carefully as the Baker car is in and see if we can't get a word with Harry Hyde following this pit stop. It's more than rubber, Ken, because they ran, jumped over the wall to get some tools. So what Roger Bear reported as apparently some damage to the undercarriage of the automobile is correct. They're working on the automobile. It's a heartbreaker for Buddy Baker. He could have had some rubber come out from under that car, maybe knock a hole in something or do some damage that way. That happens frequently when they spread a tire at the speed they run. Let's go to Jerry Smith for an update. Well, the crew is still gathered around the car. Harry Hyde overseeing, as, as you can probably see from the tower, Ken, but they are working on the left front of the car, and they are now putting rubber back on it. I have a hunch they're going to let him go out and try it and see if he can still run the rest of the race as the car now stands, and it obviously is not in Class A condition. Here's Baker going out, and if you can possibly get a word with Harry Hyde or one of the crew members down there on that automobile, we would appreciate it, Jerry, as, as to what the problems were. Car number 95, Darrell Waldrop, second-place runner, is now on pit road to the terminal transport car, and that crew is just doing yeoman's duty today. They realize they're riding with what many people consider the next superstar of Grand National Stock Car Racing, the most competitive automobile racing in the world. Behind the left front tire, there's usually an oil tanker, an oil cooler, of some type, uh, uh, and a lot of times, like Barney said, uh, when the tire comes off uh, or comes apart, it will maybe knock the line off the oil uh, 
uh, off the oil tank, and uh, Buddy caught it on the oil pressure gauge, so he shut it off to be pushed in. The Vitafresh Pink Grapefruit Special, Gordon Van Loo's car for Tony Bettenhausen has now retired from the event. Car number 36 has now officially retired. We're just about ready for the caution flag to be lifted and for the track to be back under green. This caution brought out after Buddy Baker's car stopped on the inside apron and the officials thought the car was too close to the track. He was actually down on the asphalt right on the uh, inside where they're still clocking over 170, 180 miles an hour. So they threw yellow and brought Baker's car in. They get him on the grass, they wouldn't have done it. Uh, that's a smart move on Buddy's part, though. That way he got a chance to get pushed in, a chance to get back here in the race. Here they come, down for the green as they move out. It is car number 43, Petty in front, and he's got a healthy lead. That 190-lap rundown, I think we're remiss and didn't give you that for 380 miles. Had an average speed of 142, 187. Fifth caution period of the race is just over, and at 190, we had Baker leading with Petty second. Waltrip third, Kale was fourth, fifth was Joe Frisson, sixth Cecil Gordon, seventh was Benny Parsons, eighth was J.D. McDuffie, ninth was David Sisko, and then running in tenth was the car number nine, Ramo Stott. The update for 200, 200 laps, 400 miles, and we're now showing 223. We were showing Baker in front, Petty in second, one lap down was Darrell Waltrip, with third, uh, third place to Waltrip, fourth place to Kaylee Arboro, fifth place, three laps down was Joe Frisson, sixth was Cecil Gordon, seventh was Benny Parsons, eighth was J.D. McDuffie, ninth was Ramo Stott, tenth was Nashville, Tennessee's David Sisko, eleventh was James Hilton, running twelfth was Eddie Streck, the young man from San Antonio, Texas, who got the car of the late Clarence Lovell, thirteenth car number 79, Frank Warren, fourteenth was H.B. Bailey, 15th, Jabe Thomas. 16th was Bill Champion. 17th, Walter Ballard. 18th was the number 38 automobile, Tony Bettenhausen, now retired from the race. 19th was car number 19, Henley Gray. 20th was Charlie Roberts. 21st in the competition was car number 67, Buddy Arrington. 22nd was the 08 of Bob Whitlow, and running 23rd was 07, or just plain car number 7, which would have been Dean Dalton's car. Ken, this is Jerry in Pit Road. I have a report from Harry Hyde. He says the, the front left front tire did not blow. It was cut, and he was more than emphatic that it cut and did not blow. And Barney Hall hit it right on the nose. As a matter of fact, a piece of rubber from that tire was knocked off, and it knocked off the ground to the battery cable. That has been repaired. He's back at speed, back to the tower. We see Tony Bettenhausen walking back to the garage area. He's had his share of problems here this week. He had a blown engine early in the week, had trouble getting the car qualified, but he made it, and now is out of the race with less than 100 miles to go. That always hurts after you put in a whole day. You kind of like to hang around after you've gone 400. From Texas World Speedway, this is the Motor Racing Network. An interesting situation is developing in the Alamo 500. Running in second place, one lap down is Darrell Waltrip. And he is not giving up in his effort to take over the lead in this race. Now, he's a lap down, and he's been trying to move up on Richard Petty's 43. He's not satisfied there. He's trying to get his lap back. Petty has a lap and then some over him, a lap and let's call it four and a half seconds between himself and Darrell Waltrip. But Waltrip is just not ready to settle for second place. He's out here running very hard in a draft right now with Joe Frisson, and I think he'd like to shake by Joe and lead that two-car draft. At Texas World Speedway, the competition continuing, and it's a tremendous race. It has been all afternoon. 
somewhat of the edge was taken off when Buddy Baker's car had problems which has set him several laps back, somewhat similar to Dover one week ago. The 220-lap, 440-mile rundown showed Richard Petty first at an average speed of 143.673 miles per hour. Second, car number 95, Darrell Waltrip. Third, car number 11, Kaylee Arborough. Fourth was the car number 71, Buddy Baker, then two laps back. In fifth position, four laps off the face, Joe Frisson. In sixth, car number 24, Cecil Gordon. Seventh, Benny Parsons. Eighth, J.D. McDuffie's Mercury. In the ninth position was car number nine, Ramo Stott, in the Plymouth automobile of Jack Housby from Iowa. And the tenth position was Dave Sisko. So the car that's getting it pretty well done here is this car number nine making up some positions. A while ago, Sisko was in front of him as we look back through the reports, but he's changed that around and is running really strong now. Ramo Stott, a very fine runner from Keokuk, is running in the ninth position overall with car number nine. He's had his share of problems, Rainbow has this week. Uh, he's had engine problems earlier, so uh, he's doing real fine. Uh, Rainbow has always done real well with the Grand National Racing. As you remember, he dro drove Junior Dunleavy's car to a one second place finish at Talladega, I believe it was. So Rainbow has been doing a real nice job. He's real smooth, real good driver. The 17th car to retire from the race was Tony Bettenhausen, a valve breaking on the automobile, sending him to the pits for Tony Bettenhausen's car. Let's go to Barney Hall. Richard Petty is not letting up a bit, Ken, due to the fact that he has a pretty healthy lead right now. He's still turning laps, I'm sure, in excess of 165 miles an hour. He's really getting around this raceway. Let's go back to the tower. We'll review for you again the automobiles which have retired from competition today. Those of you who are just joining us on this delayed broadcast, and we would point out again, we're delayed because uh, uh, Digger apparently cut all communications between uh, College Station, Texas, and the world this afternoon. All telephone lines were out. All broadcast radio lines were out. So we're with you by delayed broadcast. Uh, three whole counties down here in Texas were knocked out when uh, these lines were cut earlier today. The first car out of the race was Richie Panch, uh, blown engine, timing chain coming off on his car. Second car out was Mel Larson of Las Vegas with a clutch gone. The third car was Ed Negri's automobile losing a main bearing. The fourth car to retire from competition was car number 22. That was the Jimmy Crawford car from East Point, Georgia with a drive shaft problem. The fifth car retiring was number 40, D.K. Ulrich. When the engine froze up, the sixth car out. An engine has gone on Ed Streck's car in turn number one. Texan Ed Streck, who was racing with Ramo Stott and H.B. Bailey, has popped an engine going into turn number one. that's smoking badly down the back straightaway. So that would be the 18th car to come out of the race. That's the report now coming to us, is that we've lost the beautiful car number 61, a maroon, white, and gold car from Texas. We see no sign of caution as yet, and they're scrutinizing very carefully before they don't like to put out yellow but if there's any question at all they'll bring out the caution for the sixth time this afternoon back to the cars which have retired from the race the sixth car out was richard childress of winston-salem he had a rear suspension break on his car then the seventh car out was dave marcus's and uh, at the same time we lost bobby isaac's automobile isaac's car uh, blowing an engine out there and we had cars hither and yon for a moment bobby isaac falling by the wayside in his car. 
We had a blown engine on Cuckoo Marlin's automobile. Car number 42, Marty Robbins lost a valve. Then the car number 40 came out, D.K. Ulrich. We reported to you on Cuckoo's car falling by the wayside in today's race. Let's pick up a later report here. The 13th car out was Elmo Langley. He brought out a caution with a blown engine. Elmo Langley's car number 64 blowing an engine. The 14th car out was Bobby Allison with a blown engine, and that was followed by car number 54, which was Lenny Pond of Ettrick, Virginia. He was the 15th retiree from the race. Then the 16th retiree was Ray Williams of Chapel Hill, North Carolina. The 17th car out was car number 38, which was the Tony Bettenhausen ride today. And now we have the 18th car out, Ed Streck, the 29-year-old driver from San Antonio, Texas, in car number 61. The 230-lap rundown for 460 miles has an average speed of 143.67 miles per hour with a leader, Petty, and has a two-lap advantage now reported over second-place runner Darrell Waltrip with third spot, car number 11, Kaylee Arborough, fourth, number 71, Buddy Baker, then four laps back in the fifth position, Joe Frisson, running in sixth position, five laps back, Cecil Gordon, seventh, six laps back, Benny Parsons of Detroit, Going eighth, car number 70, J.D. McDuffie's Mercury, seven laps back. In 10th, eight laps back was car number nine, Ramo Stott. And 11th, nine laps back, car number 05, Dave Sisko. So those were the front cars. And I've made an error here, which I want to correct right now. The eighth position, as reported, was McDuffie. Then the ninth position was car number nine being driven by Ramo Stott. The 10th position, Dave Sisko. 143.67 miles per hour at 230 laps. We are actually in the 237th lap right now, and Richard Petty seems on his way to another victory in a wind scheme that goes back over two decades. Petty coming by in the STP Dodge. Did you uh, hear about uh, Junior Dunleavy's uh, car on the way home from Dover? Uh, they were on their way home in their brand new truck with all their pit equipment everything caught fire and it burned everything right to the ground from what I understand. Oh, that's terrible. Junie Donlevy and those people have worked so hard and done such a great job. While we have a moment on this delayed broadcast because all communication lines were cut from College Station, Texas and three Texas counties this afternoon, hence the delay. I want to say hello now to, uh, to uh, a good friend, Wendell Scott, who was coming along just great, but certainly... Uh, Got pretty well crunched up there in that crash at Tell. The only driver that was really hurt, and he wasn't hurt that badly, but it's sure bad enough, and it sure did an awful job on a great car. And I know that he and Frankie, I, I don't know what their plans are for the future, but they really had a, a real problem after that 190-mile-an-hour crash. This is the Alamo 500. It's coming to you from College Station, Texas, the Texas World Speedway. They're coming around a complete 240 laps here today at College Station, Texas, 480 miles. And they'll be into the last 20 miles of competition this afternoon with the lead automobile continuing to be car number 43, Richard Petty, a two-lap advantage over the second-place car. Richard extremely upset this uh, past week about so much of the American press and what it's had to say about the sport which he's dedicated his entire life to. Petty and his dad have spent years in this sport, and of course, with the tragedies of Indianapolis, there has been a great deal said about the sport. We are down to the 10 laps to go, and I thought that it'd be right for Richard to share with you some of his thoughts uh, about automobile racing in general and and the events of Memorial Day weekend. That's that's one thing. 
that really uh, really hurts us is when they they say Indianapolis or say racing, then we're cataloged along with them, and uh, this is really not so because just a week before uh, the uh, Indianapolis race, and they had all the trouble. We had a, a 19 car pile up at uh, at Talladega, and we tore up a bunch of cars and all that. And uh, I guess Wendell Scott was the only one that really uh, really got hurt. A lot of them got hurt financially and stuff like that, but nobody really got uh, busted or killed or burned or any of this kind of stuff. So. I think that uh, our record particularly speaks for itself as far as the safety of our cars. Uh, those cars are running uh, up there probably uh, 10, 12 mile hour faster than we was, but uh, we was crashing, uh, or that particular wreck, uh, they was running probably 190, 95 mile hour when they started wrecking, so uh, I'd say... Like Your wreck. In, in the race at, uh, at Talladega, but uh, I think that uh, the overall deal is that... that uh, the Talladega track was bigger. The cars are, are more safe, a lot safer than uh, than the Indy cars. But I think it uh, it don't hurt anything to to slow them all down. As far as I'm concerned, they can speed them up. It, it it's never really bothered me. Speed doesn't bother me that much. It doesn't make that much difference. So uh, the deal is that when uh, when you're talking about Indianapolis, like I said before, then then you're getting us in the same deal, and and it just hurts racing overall. It, any kind of racing uh, the general public thinks of, of the worst thing they can think about, and right now Indianapolis is still on their mind. seems to me that it should be our biggest asset, and it continues to be our biggest liability as far as telling folks that don't know about the sport what this thing is all about. Well, it's basically telling them stock cars because uh, the, the general public and uh, all the people that write about it, uh, Indianapolis, is, they run one race a year, and that's Indianapolis as far as, as the majority of the newspapers and stuff are concerned. But... Uh, Indianapolis is just one race. It draws 300, 350,000 people, and they forget about the million and a half or two or three million that go, you know, to see Grand National racing. So uh, it's a kind of a deal that uh, it, it's really overplayed for really what it is. And uh, I mean, not taking nothing away from them or nothing, but I think that uh, just one race a year, uh, they they really overdo everything. They overdo. The money they pay, they overdo the publicity that gets it, and uh, it really, uh, when something like this happens, then uh, it really hurts a whole lot. Those are the thoughts of Richard Petty concerning the past couple of weeks in automobile racing, and here's a fellow who has won the Daytona 500 for the fourth time this year, and now is looks to be on his way to win the Alamo 500 in Texas. Richard Petty, who for 20 years has given of himself 100% to this sport, and his whole family, the the Petties of Randleman, North Carolina, Level Cross, real racing people, and they built great cars and had just tremendous fortune with them. Here's Richard now leading by two car or by two laps over the second place car, which is a rookie. A rookie cut very much in the same mold as Richard. This young Darrell Waltrip, he kind of tries to fashion himself a little. Kind of, he, he looks a lot like him. He's tall, lanky, pleasant kid. And uh, many have said, watch out for him because he could be the next really heavy star in Grand National Racing. Uh, speaking of Darrell Waltrip, uh, he's having his problems out here right now with Joe Fursan. Uh, he's wanting to get by. He goes on by, and Joe keeps popping back in front of him. And I think now he's settled down to draft on Joe. We were watching that real close. A couple times he had a, had him passed and was ahead of him, was hoping to break away from him, and then Joe uh, came right back at him again. 240 laps, 480-mile rundown. Richard Petty first, car number 95, running in second position. Darrell Waltrip in third. Kaylee Arborough three laps down. 
in fourth, four laps down Joe Frisson. In fifth, five laps down Cecil Gordon. In sixth, seven laps down Buddy Baker. In seventh, also seven laps down Benny Parsons. In eighth, nine laps down Ramo Scott. Tenth, ten laps away, car number 70, J.D. McDuffie. Eleventh, and I'm making the same mistake again. We have an incorrect counterboard here. The ninth position is J.D. McDuffie's number 70. He is ten laps down. The tenth position is the car number 05, David Sisko. And the 11th position is car number 36, which is H.B. Bailey's Pontiac. That's the only Pontiac out here, and it's running up in 11th position. We're into the final laps. 247 of 250 are now complete. And Richard Petty in the STP Dodge is in front with a healthy lead after it looked like it was shaping up for an old-fashioned run-to-the-wire race between himself and Buddy Baker, but it did not come off as Baker ran over something apparently on the racetrack, cut a tire down, and was in real trouble. He is now back after running up in front all day. He and Petty just playing the wildest game you ever saw at 180 miles an hour coming by here, glaring at each other. They were side-by-side, side, lap after lap, working each other over mentally, driving their cars as hard as they could in the hottest temperatures. These cars have been put to in 1973, but they'll have it hotter next week when these same cars will be at Riverside, California for a great 400-mile road race, and we sure hope you folks in California will be there to enjoy the Tuborg 400 next week, Sunday afternoon, and if you can't be there, be with the Motor Racing Network the following week. We'll be in Michigan, and then on the 4th of July at Daytona Beach, Florida, down towards the finish, 248 laps completed. They're shooting for 249 with Richard Petty of Randleman, North Carolina, seeking still another Grand National victory from Texas World Speedway. This is the Motor Racing Network. They're coming around to complete the Texas 500 here at the Texas World Speedway. Richard Petty is coming out of turns numbers three and four. He is looking for another checkered flag in a career that has seen so many of them. Here's Petty coming down to the line, and Richard Petty in the STP Dodge has won the Alamo 500. This Alamo will be remembered for Buddy Baker's great fight this afternoon with Petty most of the way. And then bad luck for Baker. A tire goes down, apparently cut a cable to the battery on the automobile. It set him back to seventh position. He came out and finished. This race will be remembered at the Alamo for the tremendous performance of Darrell Waltrip and his crew the terminal transport car with J.C. Aldern Company. They really put it together, and this afternoon, young Darrell Waltrip finishes in second position. He's a three-year driver. He came off a couple of little dirt tracks in Owensboro, Kentucky, moved to Nashville, Tennessee, because he said that's where they race and really race well in that part of the country at Bill Donahoe's track. He won nine straight sportsman features there one year, was automatically tabbed as a kid to watch in the future, and he certainly proved it here in Texas this afternoon with this magnificent run. Petty is victorious. Waltrip is second. Cale Yarborough, the great from Timmonsville, South Carolina, puts Chevrolet third. And it's interesting to note, as the board works out, it's Dodge in first, Mercury in second, Chevrolet in third. Joe Frisson takes fourth in a Dodge automobile and looks like fifth position for Chevrolet of Cecil Gordon. Now, in the national standings at the present time, the number one driver in the nation 
is Benny Parsons, and Benny will be credited with seventh position this afternoon. And Cecil Gordon is currently number three in the nation. Cecil Gordon's automobile has a very good finish. He'll move up in these national standings. We'll review a bit more of that for you shortly. The car's now going back to the garage area, and we'll be down in the Victory Circle area with Bob Crowder in just a moment to interview the winner of today's 500-mile test at the Texas World Speedway. Here's Richard Petty's car moving down toward the Victory Circle. The STP Red and Petty Blue automobile is moving up into the Victory Circle now. The congregation is there waiting for him. And we will go down to the Victory area right now with Bob Crowder. At Texas World Speedway, Richard Petty has just won the Alamo 500. Still another stunning victory for this great champion from Randleman, North Carolina. He just keeps on winning. But remember, as many people say he's getting old, his daddy, Lee Petty, started racing when he was Richard's age today, 38. So for any competitors who might be taking a breath and saying a couple of years from now, that dude may not be around, you better wait another 10 years because he just feels he's reached his prime. Richard Petty now climbing out of his car victorious. And meanwhile, Jerry Smith is trying to round up the second place winner today, which is Darrell Waltrip. Here's Petty angling out of that big Dodge automobile and coming over to talk with members of the press, getting his picture taken. Ken Squire, the perfect race car out here this afternoon, didn't finish in first place. They say the perfect car is one that finishes 500 miles and then its engine pops. And Bob Whitlow from Detroit, Michigan, as he came across the start-finish line, although he was well back in the number of laps completed in this 500-mile contest, the engine let go, and so much for Bob Whitlow at uh, the end of 500 miles, however. But it uh, was a little testy down in the first turn after the checkered flag because there was a lot of oil on the bottom of the first turn immediately after that uh, checkered flag. No problems, however, as the drivers had all shut down after picking up the checker at the end of the 500. Even so, we, we didn't see which engine blew. We saw a caution flag immediately thrown, and actually the last part of the race was finished under checkers and yellow. The winner had already come across, but as other competitors came to the line, they had already notified the control center, and the flagman had the yellow flag out, and the many lights around the speedway were notifying drivers. There was a caution condition at the moment that they were coming down for their checkered flag. Petty came across under green and a checkered flag finish. It was not yellow in checkers at all on the winner. He got a clean shot at the finish, and Petty just did it up. We're waiting for a speed here for the winning car. It'll be up around 145 miles per hour by which Richard wins the Alamo 500 today. And reviewing for you again the finish, Darrell Waltrip will be credited with second position while Cale Yarborough Chevrolet gets third. Dodge Mercury Chevrolet, one, two, three with fourth spot Joe Frisson's Dodge. Fifth spot Cecil Gordon. Sixth spot goes to Buddy Baker. Seventh, and if there was an outstanding individual award today, I think Baker would be up for it. Seventh goes to Benny Parsons. Eighth position to Ramo Stott, ninth to J.D. McDuffie, tenth at the finish was the 05 of David Sisko, and wrapping it up in 11th spot was car number 36. There were 24 cars still running at the finish of the race, which started 38 automobiles. That, uh, that car number 36, which we alluded to, was H.B. Bailey's car from Houston, Texas, and so that's a good finish for him in front of a Texas crowd today. Ken Squire, I see uh, Darrell Waltrip just walking out to Jerry Smith, so we might have him on the air here in just a minute. I think he's heading over that way right now. Now, those standings going into today's race nationally, 
in NASCAR. The number one driver was Benny Parsons of Detroit. Looks like he may stay there. However, Cale Yarbrough really ran out some laps. Cale was uh, second in the nation. He may have pulled up into first. Uh, third overall was Cecil Gordon. He stays right in the contention. And Buddy Baker uh, finished, uh, was in fourth at the finish today, and I think has enough points to maintain that position. But Parsons is really being pushed by Cale Yarborough for the number one spot in the nation, and we'll have to see what happens at Riverside, California next week. Let's go to Jerry Smith in just a moment from Texas World Speedway. This is the Motor Racing Network. The report from in the garage area is that uh, Darrell Waltrip is okay, but he is taking oxygen. Let's go down for that story from Jerry Smith. Well, we had Darrell walking over to us, and uh, the ambulance happened to, to come in the gate as he was approaching the gate exit, that is, to come to where we are standing. And he waved at the ambulance. It stopped. He walked over and said, can you give me some oxygen? So the guy opened the door. Daryl is now inside taking oxygen. It obviously was a very exhausting, hot, terrifically tough day for him. And I imagine when you compound all of that with the tension involved of being in that position, a rookie that high up in the standings, it has to take its toll a little bit. Now, he is fine as far as we can see. He is... Uh, uh, certainly trying to recuperate as quickly as possible. And if he comes out of there in the next minute or so, we'll be happy to get him over for you, my friend. Okay, Jerry Smith, and we'd like to thank our turn men for their very responsible job they've done again today in covering this Alamo 500. Barney Hall in turns three and four, Roger Bear in turns one and two today, and Jerry Smith, good to have him back with us. We've been missing him for some time on the broadcast. He was laid up for a little while. Good to have him back, and of course, our expertise from one of the great stock car champions of all time, Marvin Panch, who is the former winner of the one that every one of them wants to win the Daytona 500. As the ceremonies continue in Victory Circle, we'll remind you again that here today, Richard Petty won it with Darrell Waltrip, the rookie from Franklin, Tennessee, second, Cale Yarborough Chevrolet, third, Joe Frisson, fourth, Cecil Gordon, fifth, Buddy Baker, sixth, Benny Parsons, seventh, Ramo Stodden, eighth, J.D. McDuffie, ninth, and David Sisko of Nashville, Tennessee, finished in tenth in another thrilling automobile racing duel from College Station, Texas, the Alamo 500. Ken Squire, we'll see you next Sunday at Riverside, California. Reporters for today's Alamo 500 broadcast were Barney Hall and Roger Bear in the turn, Jerry Smith in the pit. Host for the broadcast, Ken Squire. Expert commentator was Marvin Panch. The broadcast was produced by Roger Bear, directed by Rick Wolf. Technical director, Bob Oak. Statistician, Larry Eatrin. Production assistants were Chris Alloy and Kathy Brown. The Alamo 500 was presented in part by STP and Andy Granatelli's STP double oil filter, STP air filter, and STP oil treatment. And by Arvin Muffler. Arvin, the best muffler anywhere. Listen next Sunday on most of these stations for the two-board Golden State 400 from Riverside International Raceway, the next NASCAR Grand National Race. This broadcast of the Alamo 500 from Texas World Speedway in College Station was a presentation of Motor Racing Network, a division of the International Speedway Corporation. This week's MRN Classic Race has been brought to you by Hercules Tires.